Fancy Lab. Fancy Lab. Fancy Podcast lab. Fancy Lab. Fancy Podcast. Gonna talk to my friends. Fancy gonna share a lab. thought. Gonna have a laugh. That's what I thought. Fancy Lab. Fancy Podcast. Fancy Lab. Fancy Lab Podcast. Yeah. And we are back. Oh my goodness. Yes, we are back. God. The words just. They just slip out of my mouth and through the microphone. The words slither from my mouth like baby snakes from a mama's snake's tummy in Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. Temple of Doom. That's what I was thinking. Temple of Doom. I was thinking my words are kind of like that scene Mm -hmm. where you cut open the big snake and all the baby snakes slither out and... Uh And the audience is the people eating the snakes, you see. <laughs> you, you sweaty and deranged fans out there, you're the snake eaters. You're the snake eaters, okay? Metal Gear Solid, Yell Exit Junk Tweak. Yell Exit Junk Tweak. And uh, Yell Exit, Zach's Zachary Jumper. Jumper. I was going to say that too, because I knew Zach's, Zach's probably over there. Oh, oh, I love Metal Gear 2. He's probably shitting his brains out right now that we mentioned his name on the podcast. Well, honestly, I was thinking he's probably shitting his brains out unrelated mm-hmm. just because I feel like that's something Zach likes to do when he's, you know, just chilling, just shit his brains out. And then he heard yeah. that. Well, you know, the weird thing about shitting your brains out mm-hmm. is that, like, when you think about it, it's like you're taking shit. Right. Okay. What part of your brain is like the furthest away from your asshole? The brain part. The brain part. (laughs) Yeah, the brain part of your brain. So it's like there has to be something really, really, really wrong. I mean, how does it even get get from your skull? That's what I'm saying. Because, I mean, you look, your skull is wider than your your neck. Yeah. Yeah. First of all, was it passed through the throat? Are you passing your brain through your throat to shit your brain? I think it would have to turn inside out and everything is like the... You know, and like it goes down your throat and your throat starts turning inside out. Everything would have to be turned out inside out. So it's like a full body pink sock at that point. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. it's like that episode of The Simpsons where the uh, oh full body pink sock the gas turns everybody inside out. Oh, OK. Never mind. I'm thinking of a different one. Yeah. Which one were you thinking? Of? Oh, it's from Simpsons After Dark. Oh, yeah. That infamous Simpsons After Dark. Series. It's like it's like uh, Treehouse of Horrors, except. Adults only. I was never old enough to watch that. Uh, you never will be either. No. Every every year you age, they raise raise the uh, restriction age damn by it. one. Damn it! I know. It's like that damn carnival ride that would keep track of my height and just keep moving that ticker up another uh, inch. No, you must be this tall now. You must be this tall now. Mm. I almost. I mean, that sounds like some somebody had a personal vendetta against you. Yeah, I think it was. It was, was this guy. He he ran the carnival in Wakefield. His name was Peter. Peter. Yeah, he was a real fucking dick. You know, I've never met somebody with that name that I've liked. Yeah. Do you remember? Do you remember Peter from when uh, when oh, we were skating yeah, that yeah, carnival yeah, yeah. with Fisk? I do remember that. That now. was that was a beautiful situation. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if we ever mentioned that on the podcast. Do you want to? Do you want to tell the tale? You want to paint a scene real quick? I mean, we're at a. A carnival that's not yet open. Mm-hmm. They're setting it up. They yep. have their big, what do they call it? Their super, super fun time slide. Yep. You know, the big, like, triple or quadruple decker slide. Super that happy you go fun down. slide, yeah. Yeah, super happy fun slide. You ride down your potato sack. 
and uh, Fisk's going up there. He's going to do classic Fisk dropping. And, you know, head uh, carnival, I guess, you know, maintenance and operations crew. You know, guys setting it up. Came over. You know, very tough guy right off the bat. Or tough guy attitude. As he should be. Right. TGA. Yeah. As he should. I mean, you know, I can't have any blame for him having TGA. Yep. Little, little T- TBA? Little too much T- <laughs> uh tga yeah tba um but you know tell us we can't do this we gotta leave well on tbh tbh he's kicking us out he's being real he's being mean about it a little bit you mm-hmm. know he's not just like hey guys come on don't do that here he's yeah. just like no and this guy's younger than us too so it's weird when like a, a someone that seems like a child man starts trying to yell at us you know you don't want to get scolded by someone younger than you no, certainly not. But then he starts trying to get down on us for having beers. It's like, oh, you can't have those. It's like, this is, you know, because it's technically school property because it was in the parking lot. Mm-hmm. So, like, oh, well, it's like, you can't have those on you. And right as he's yelling at us about beer, that other carny comes out of nowhere and, and hands him a fucking suitcase of Bud Light and says, oh, hey, Peter, here's your beer. Literally says, hey, Peter, here's your beer. Yeah. Oh, boy, did we have a grand old laugh at oh, Peter's expense God. in his face. Did Trying you, to get him to laugh with us. Did you like, did you lay into him, though? I forget. Oh, we didn't lay into him. We just were laughing at him, and I kept trying to get him to admit that it was funny. Yeah. Be like, you got to admit that's pretty pretty funny that you were trying to yell at us about beer. And, and, he and came, you're drinking fucking And you're Bud drinking Light. Bud Light. <laughs> yeah, like he, a goddamn idiot. And he wouldn't admit that it was funny. Yeah. He wouldn't admit it. He wouldn't turn the other cheek. No, he's loyal to his brand, you know? Mm-hmm. The douche brand. Oh, I mean, it's the king of beers. Uh, it, But light. But light. It's the king of beers, just with less calories. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, he has a good point. Yeah. We'll never forget Peter. Ah, oh, man. Yeah, clearly. But anyways, so we are back on the Fancy Life podcast. Yeah, and that's just one of those many, you know, stories that you just, you get only when you're out there in the skating just in the wild mm-hmm. you know just off the cuff you never know what's gonna happen you don't and people don't people don't know that you're a celebrity when you show up no people don't know that you've they earned respect no especially their respect peter right fucking peter dude god damn it honestly reminds me of, of another peter but i, I don't want to get into that yeah seriously we i mean i will we'll go on for days we don't have time we don't have time, honestly. We don't have time, because quite frankly, you know what I do have time for is... Oh, shit. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. What was that? Oh, I just cracked into a Fresh Clown Shoes brand beer right oh, here. Oh, my goodness. What what flavor? This is a fucking... Oh, my God. This is a Galactica. Damn. Well, it sounds good. Let's hear. Let's see what it really sounds like, though. Mm. 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 Oh, God, that's good. Oh, nice and carbonated. Oh, just like I, like I feel like they're extra carbonated tonight, and I can tell you that because ah! oh my god, I can hear that I'm crack and the fizzle cracking into one right now as well. And this is your classic uh, rainbows are real. Oh my god, it's very carbonated tonight. Oh my god, dude, I'm gonna be up burping and burping. And shitting. And, and shitting. Unrelated to the extra carbonated clown cheese brand beer. Yeah. But the burps, very much related. Actually, the shits. Yeah. 
Maybe a little bit. Yeah. You know what's great about Clown Shoes brand beer, actually, that we should talk about real quick on the podcast? No, what? Is that they are going to release the collab can with Fancy Lad. That, yeah, we're both featured on. Wait, what? And there's going to be a beer party release event late May, possibly early June. Wait, what? Yeah, and I don't want to give any spoilers, but Uh it's going to be an event. Oh, my God. It's going to be a happening. An actual event, launch party of Clown Shoes and Fancy Lad brand beer collab. Yeah. It's probably a better way of saying that. See, I'm not very I'm not very eloquent with my words, you mm. know. I wish we knew someone like that, but it doesn't matter. I know. But you know what the best part about the event is? Mm-hmm. It's going to be local. Oh. I love local things. I love things local, specifically local to us. Yeah. And I'm talking Boston, baby. Yeah. I'm talking to Beantown. It's going to be right in the heart of Beantown, right there mm. at the Harpoon Brewery. Oh, that is the heart of Beantown. Yeah. Needless to say, it's going to be a celebration of not only skateboarding, but mm-hmm. the, the city that we love so much. Mm-hmm. God. Is it Boston? Boston, Massachusetts. Boston, Massachusetts. Boston, That's right. Massachusetts. That's mm-hmm. right. Mm-hmm. And, man, you know, it's great having all these guests from Hollywood. Oh, and, my God. You know, all over the world, really. Yeah. But, you know, I'm saying enough of that. You know, they've, you know. We need to start thinking locally mm-hmm. to act globally. Mm-hmm. Locally grown. So what I'm thinking is, well, let me bring it back to our roots, you know, and, you know, just kind of try to learn a little bit more about the history of the great city that we live in, which is Boston, Massachusetts. So you're thinking maybe we should go on one of those like Freedom Trail walks with Ben Franklin hosting it or something? Yeah, is he still around? Oh, yeah, he's still around. I mean, we could take a duck tour. Oh. We could go to Cheers. Well, you know what? Why don't we do all those things and then maybe find a guest? Yeah, you know, that sounds good. I could, I, you know, I've been trying trying to get you to take a photo of me next to Fraser Crane at Cheers, so. Yeah, and I've been trying to get you to, to tell Norm that I want to take him out, you know? Take him out, like? For dinner. Oh, for a nice oh, one-on-one okay. conversation. All right, I can tell him right now. You know, I got his number. Oh, you want to call him up right now? Yeah, let's just call him. All right, call him up. All right. Hello? Oh, my God. Hey, is this Norm from Cheers? Hey, Big Zoe. How's it going, bud? Oh, my God, Norm. It's yeah. been so long. Mm-hmm. How, how have you been? Not good. Not good? What? Why? Man, it closed out the bar. The close down Cheers? Yeah, they opened it up again. It's a, you know, it's more of like a Dick's Last Resort type place. Oh my God, Norm, what are you gonna do? That was your watering hole. Yeah, I just bought a twenty-four pack of hams, nine ninety-nine. Nine ninety-nine. That's a good deal. Yeah, I mean, if you go to the Bland Church in Alston, and you say your name's Norm, they cut off two dollars. What? Well, I'm Gary's Liquors, VFW Parkway. Yeah, you're gonna be paying them like, eh, you're gonna be paying like twelve ninety-nine if you're Norm. Right, right. I, I mean, I get that. You get your, your beer fix. But what yeah, they about call it the Norm discount? Yeah, but what about the camaraderie? What about, you know, you got Ted Danson, you got mm-hmm. Fraser Crane, mm-hmm. you got that other guy that you're friends with? Uh, Monty? 
Yeah, Monty. Oh, I don't think he he was never on the show. That's just my buddy from home. No, the mailman. Oh, Cliff. Yeah, you got Cliff. Yeah, Cliff. Come on, what are you gonna do without Cliff? Ah, uh, well, I mean, I certainly won't be getting any mail. <laughs> oh. Yeah, I guess I guess you're right. You know, uh, Tom wanted me to ask you something. Yeah, I don't remember what it was either. <laughs> I know it was something. Whoa, whoa, Tom. We still got fucking Norm on the phone. Yeah, no, I'm still here. Oh, oh, shit. Okay. Um, we have multiple inputs. We can have more than three people on. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, I guess um, Tom says hi. Okay, bye. Wow. That, that's he didn't a- even say hi back. <laughs> it was like he intentionally didn't say hi back. That was fucked up. I know, but that was amazing having Norm on the podcast. Dude, you know, I mean, I would have preferred the other Norm, honestly, not yeah. to be rude. Yeah. But, you know, you take what you can get. You're right. Well, nevertheless, you know, why don't we take a quick break and uh, do those things, and hopefully, uh, you know, we'll find a guest. That sounds good. Okay. Uh, yeah. From Clown Shoes Beer is... Bubble Farm IPA. The Intergalactic League of Farmers waits for no man, even with a crop as delicate as bubbles. Elegant crops, of course, and no matter the trouble in harvesting them, it's always worthwhile to see those beauties shine. Light in color with a touch of haze, this American IPA maintains an approachable medium body without sacrificing any of the full aroma and flavor of copious dry hopping additions of Simcoe, Azaka, and Idaho Seven Hops. Mm, you can really taste those delicious Idaho 7 hops. For information on where to buy Clown Shoes beer, or to enlist in the Intergalactic League of Farmers, visit www.clownshoesbeer.com. Uh, yeah. And we are back. Oh, we are back. And that was a good break. Ah, uh, God, Tom, you know, I can honestly say it was just one of those breaks you dream about. Oh, man. And again, I have been dreaming almost exclusively about breaks. But I don't want to get into that. because Almost isn't... exclusively. I mean, well, I like to know. hear these other things. I mean, we can't get into that right now. Yeah, we'll save it for the Break Dreaming podcast. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and also the other things I've been dreaming about podcast. Right. Which is a spinoff of the Break Dream. You know, it's all part of the Fancy Lab podcast. Natural. Multiverse. Yeah. But let's introduce our very special guest. Mm-hmm. Boston native. I'm assuming. Masshole for sure. Would you it like to do the honors, Tom? Well, okay, yeah. I never, I never get to do That's this. true. I never get to this. So I will introduce the guest, Jeffrey Kula. Howdy, folks. How's it going? It's good. Thanks for having me. And do you, do you prefer Jeffrey or Jeff? Pretty much only my mom, and my aunt call me Jeffrey, it, which usually okay. means something bad is about to happen. So we'll save that in case you do something naughty or Geoff. Sure. Yeah. G- oh man, dude, I already have a story. So, you know, uh, there's a photographer from uh, Maryland whose name is Jeff Graham, and it's also spelled with a G. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was in Maryland, and we've never met, but uh, I know how to pronounce my own name. And so I was in Maryland shooting with this skateboarder who will remain unnamed. And uh, he's like, oh, blah, 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 something. And he called me Geoff. And I'm like, yeah, you know, it's funny. People think that, but the name's actually pronounced Jeff. And he goes, oh, yeah, Geoff Graham tells me that all the time, too. Nice. <laughs> It's like, I wonder why he says that. <laughs> I wonder if he was self-aware or if he was uh, really just that dumb. I don't know. Could be, could have been just a comic genius, you know? I was going to say, he could be like one of those poke the bear with the stick kind of people. Exactly. Mm-hmm. But hey, 
Thanks for being on the podcast. Boston photography legend. Uh, I think you're being too kind, but thank you. <laughs> and drinking Well, a, that's what Canton told us. And you're drinking a Sam Ad, out of a Sam Adams glass. So I'm sorry, are you still in Boston? Oh, yeah, I live in the South End. And by the way, this glass has a story. <laughs> Let's hey, hear it. Everything Let's hear has it. a story, man. You know, so there was some, uh, I don't even remember what it was. There might have been an orchard screening or something. But there was, for some reason, a bunch of us, like, and by us, I mean, like, people like Dougie Death and Jamal and, like, people mm -hmm. that just sort of don't normally hang out from the skate scene because Dougie and Jamal aren't really, you know, Dougie's in a death metal band and Jamal's not in that as far as I know. Whatever. Yeah. So we're all at this premiere or something. And it happened to be a game on, if you remember that, which I think is maybe still called Game On near Fenway Park. And uh, I'm there with so Charlie and Mike and his wife at, were there and we're all carousing. And there's a good photo of it somewhere. I'll have to try to dig that one up. And uh, and I was doing my fair share of drinking, which, you know, that'll happen. And uh, this glass was a full beer. And uh, I was like, oh, we were getting kicked out or we were leaving. I can't remember which. Take your choice. And uh, I was like, oh, but I have to leave with this full glass of beer, which is always a trick when you're at a bar because they don't normally like that. So I had a trench coat on because I'd come from work. And as you could probably tell, I look normal now. So I wear normal people clothes mm -hmm. and uh, or non-skater clothes, like I should say that. Um, and I was like, oh, Beth, come here. And I was like, oh, I just want to make sure like you're OK. And of course, under my arm that was around Beth was uh, was the glass of full glass of beer. So you walk outside and I'm like, oh, thanks. And she's like, what? And I'm like, just drinking my beer outside oh there's an even there's a postscript to that story so the parking garage we were in which i think is was in the building the um the amc theater is in you know the one in fenway fenway 15 or whatever it's called yep yep the one with the blick right there so yeah so somewhere in that immediate vicinity is where whoever drove us had parked and as we were walking down to the car and I'd never thought about this before, but I guess for car for parking garages, in case there's a car fire, you need a human being sized fire extinguisher because those fires are going to get out of control really quickly. So, you know, I have genius evil idea of, and by the way, the, the thing's on a dolly. So what could be better, right? Mm -hmm. So there's the grenade pin and you pull it and the dolly's there and you're just, I'm running around the parking lot, spraying the six foot tall fire extinguisher, just, being a moron and uh for fun yeah exactly yeah and sure enough um security comes but it's a, the whole place is just a cloud of dust and so uh charlie mike and beth were already in their car so like literally in a movie i'm like walking behind beside the car as security is walking past the car and uh, just opened the car jumped in and got away it was awesome nice. yeah oh that's great was that uh you're just hanging out just going to see a movie with, uh, no, this was the after. This was after like we had left that one orchard screening party or whatever. Was that that's skate gathering that happened at Game On, right? Which again isn't like a place normally I'd see a bunch of skaters at. Yeah, well, we live right down the street from the Sam Adams Brewery here in JP. Oh and man, so I got yep. So we can segue right to that. Um, I got to tell you, I had been to your version of Burnside. Yeah, the it's like DIY park. Oh yeah. yeah. And I was, I was literally like, what did you guys make this impossible to skate on purpose? Like <laughs> I, I was seriously like there were, there was 
two. Now, by the way, I'm not good, which is why I became a photographer and that we can get into that. But, you know, I was just like, holy crap, this stuff is. It's like you took the worst things about skating in New England and built them in a park. Yeah. <laughs> we like there it. was there was like so you liked it. I, it was awesome. The thing I skated yeah. was that uphill. Uh, it was like an uphill bar sort of thing. Steel ledge. Oh, yeah. Oh, the, yeah. The up ledge, ledge yeah. Thingy. yeah. 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 You know, yeah, that park fun. had a lot of character, you know, and a lot of broken glass. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that wasn't us. That was that was just some hooligans. It's true. It's true. Yeah. I'm sure. I thought that was part of like the moat to get to the next obstacle. No, that's what all the empty cans were. I mean, uh, if we could if we could just uh, have had them rebuild that park, you know, we mm-hmm. would have been happy. Or if they could have just lifted everything and re- <laughs> refinished the surface and then dropped it back down. Yeah, exactly. That would have been ideal. Yeah. Yeah. I have been to the new, I was at the JP Park uh, the second day it was open um, before it got graffitied, which is a miracle anywhere. Yeah. Uh, not that I have a problem with graffiti. Not even a problem with bad graffiti? Because that's Ooh. my that's my qualm. It's that's like, tough. you know, but then you're graffiti is permanent. Question. But so, what is oh, then what what is bad was good the barrier between you know low and high art i know i know but so, i can tell you i can tell you honestly it's it's not very good um what the barrier between low and high art or the graffiti over there the graffiti over there oh i've been there since it's been graffitied it's yeah not gonna win any awards yeah <laughs> um yeah the same man is a great place to be by yeah How'd you like the new park though? And it's okay if you liked it. Yeah. <laughs> I missed, uh, I mean, it's all transition. So, right. you know, it's good. Uh, it's just so funny because the, the Hyde Park park is amazing, but to get there in any way, shape or form takes an hour, which is insane considering I live in the city and I yeah. can get to Worcester in an hour, you know? Right. Right. Not that I know what there is to skate in Worcester, nor would I do that. But I'm just saying, like, it's crazy that there's this nirvana that's just impossible to get to. Yeah, well, they used to have the war side DIY, which was pretty cool. Where's that? It was in Worcester, but they tore it down. Oh, oh, yeah, I never saw that. And, of course, they got those classic Galan spots, like the two up, two down. I think that's the best spot in Worcester, the hard flip Manny. I've seen footage of that, yeah. So, So you did like the park? Yeah, I mean... It's uh, there's that nice little pocket to get some speed. Mm-hmm. It's you know the coping's good. You know people are always going to complain, mm-hmm. but I thought it was nice. You're damn right we're going to complain about it. Damn right. You're going to say there are enough uh, windmill things and it's weird. Like when they, there's no sprungy sprungs. It's like in I was New York. Say there's no bouncy castle part. You know. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But it's like in New York where they tore down the fat kid spot to build that park there. You know, it's just like, couldn't you have just built it somewhere else? Well, in New York City, come on, really? Think they're yeah. I guess they're running out of room. They're right. Yeah, they're, they're running out of room real quick. Yeah, it's true. I mean, I even liked the uh, the Hyde Park Park um, original. I just I thought the bowl was really good. I mean, I, clearly, I like what's there now better because there's just more stuff. Right. But you know, I was just happy there was something to skate that wasn't the oh my god the godforsaken park they built in East Boston. Did you guys ever, the prefab disaster? Did you guys ever see that? Yeah, yeah, the one that was there before the uh, one that they just built, one that uh, PJ had footage at. Uh, that was right next to the big three. Or are you talking about the new one? No, I'm talking about the old one. It was literally like 
Yeah. Pavement that you like, it was asphalt out of a parking lot that you guys would love. And just these terrible concrete precast, you know, like we'll put this quarter pipe block here. And oh, I remember it. Classic, classic, uh, you know, Massachusetts uh, prefab park. Yeah. Which we heard rumors was designed by Frank Harada, but we'll never know. (laughs) I've never heard that. Um, No, Canton said that he just got the, he just got a bad rap from it. Yeah. He, he, Oh, did Ken debunk that? Yeah, he he debunked it. He said, yeah. "Nah, they just threw his name under the they just threw him under the bus." Yeah. So it was, you know, at one point in time, he looked at a set of plans and was like, "This looks okay." No, but I rem- yeah, I remember the one that had pyramids that were way too steep. That one pyramid that's at a lot of those other prefab parks. Yeah, um, yeah, it's pretty ridiculous. But anyway, you know, did you, sorry, yeah, just real quickly, did you guys ever skate Maximus? No, I never, I never, I never got a chance to. Yeah, it was before my time. Skate but the sea ball, but I heard I did get to skate yeah. skate the sea ball once, and actually I was going to skate the the volcanoes. Um, they were gone, <laughs> and I know I was going to go skate them, and I broke my board. And the next time I took a trip into Boston when I was a kid, they were t- they were torn down. Yeah, I just missed it. Where uh, where are you guys from? Tom's from uh, north of Boston. I'm from Metro West, right by the Foxborough Stadium. I'm from a town called Norfolk. Yeah, oh, sure. And I'm from Wakefield. Oh, yeah. I grew up in Groton, so, you know. Groton. Dirt Road. Oh, it's totally different now, but. So you grew up in Groton. I young... did. First skateboard I got was a uh, 70s banana board. Rode it in my garage when my parents weren't home because their cars would be in the garage. What year was and, it? Uh, oh, God late 70s early 80s mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. just trying to put um, a, a mental time frame sweeping out the garage because uh, you know those boards you'd hit anything a, a piece of dust and you'd go flying you know right yeah. so even pre before the big fish boards yeah what was the what was the first video you bought out of curiosity god i can't even remember uh it was either propaganda ban this or bones brigade video show probably i mean it had to have been a pal video yeah it had to be a pal video but like i can't those are good videos though i mean they you know it's funny when uh so you know um uh the past parsable on instagram Mm -mm. no okay so this guy is local he used to work at the beacon hill skate shop um and so you might want to connect with him at some point so he runs this uh this Instagram feed, it's called the past parsable. And it's all about like skate photos of non-sponsored kids from the eighties. And it's just amazing to see like a lineup of 20 kids and they all have Powell boards, you know, like it's, it might be hard for you guys to understand that. Like, Oh my God, I almost just said back in the day, even though it is, there were like literally 10 companies. Yeah. You know, a few brands. Now there's like 10,000, you know? Yeah. Yeah. No, it's just crazy. I mean, it didn't. It, it felt like there wasn't a lot of companies when I started, which I started skating in 1995. That, well, you were right at the tail end. I mean, you know, the sine wave of skateboarding being popular or cool, I think you just missed, like, the early 90s, which, you know, yeah. small pants, big wheels. Right. Remember that. <laughs> we love that era because, I mean, that's some of the most, like, creative skating where there's like certain tricks that are done during that area the era that i haven't seen since just because they got so technical 
Yeah. So, so uh, I mean, that, I, people always hate on that era, but I actually love it. The old New Deal videos, you know, even uh, Lick from H Street, and uh, I mean, just just anyone during that era. Obviously, the Plan B videos. About these, you know. Say it again. Obviously, the Plan B videos. Um, oh yeah. Yeah, it's the fashion. You think that's what gives it a bad rep? Yeah. Yeah. Damn. And those wheels. Those wheels were just. I know. I know. But hey, Matt Tomasello rides on uh, you know little size balls. forty wheels now. Yeah. You know he loves them. That must be the the secret to having that much control that people refuse to do because it looks so stupid. <laughs> so. It's a good theory. Yeah. That's a pretty good theory. So when did you start? Uh, what made you want to start shooting the photos? You said you weren't good enough to be a pro skater. Classic tale. Is it that? I mean, I don't even believe I would ever have been good enough. Although I have a funny story about being prog, but that's another story. Um, I don't think I ever would have been good enough to be sponsored. Um, but on a Powell tour, I almost entered a pro contest, which would have been ridiculous. But anyway, um, <laughs> Yeah, no, just as a kid, like, I mean, so we're going back to days of rotary phones. I had a paper route and bought my first camera with paper route money, like loved looking at skate photos and just like never really thought it would be a thing I would do. But just like when I realized in college that this was a thing you could do, I was like, fuck, man, I'm going to do this, you know, but like when you're a kid, I mean, I started college, I was a math physics double major because math is easy and physics is interesting, but I don't know anyone. I mean, I didn't know any journalists either, which is what I graduated the degree in, but you know, you just do things you're good at, you know, and I don't know what a mathematician does, although it's funny because now I know a bunch and they all work in hedge funds, but uh, yeah, clearly I chose the right career path. (laughs) Right. Are you still in uh, the journalist field? Uh. I mean, technically no, but I would say that if you're aware of, uh, I mean, most websites or companies are now hiring former journalists to create their content because content marketing is a thing. So, and I now run, I, I focus on digital marketing is what I'm doing now. So I run websites for companies and things like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. See me and Tom here, we're actually, uh, considers ourselves the number one skateboard journalists, uh, of this era. Oh Yeah. So I'm just trying to figure out what my next step is after, you know, mm-hmm. you know, you guys might have some competition. There's uh one of my, my one of my, my only intern, uh, Dave Mount, I'm going to shout out to him. His uh, Instagram handles cool summer. He just, uh, and he's, so he's from Massachusetts. He just uh, published um, his first zine. It's called dream. Mm-hmm. So I'm waiting to get my hands on a copy of that. And uh, there's a fellow uh, Dom Westbury in Chicago. And he produced a zine last summer. It's called Inner Fulfillment Periodical. So I was like, I'm really, really excited that people are going back to print. Because yeah. to me, that was such a, I mean, traumatic might sound dramatic, but it's just, man, just looking at something on a screen. I mean, I don't know about you, but I remember like having photos on my wall when I was a kid. And like, Oh, my yeah. God. Tell me about it. Oh, I had a wall for each one of my favorite skaters. Who were they? Luckily, so I only walls. had like four. Yeah, exactly. Well, five if you count the ceiling. Mm-hmm. So who are they? You definitely had a musket wall. Got to have a musket wall. You got to have a musket wall. I can see I that. Think I think probably, you know, uh, I know I had Penny up there. I can see and, that. Um, I don't know if I had a Rowley wall. I might have. Um, you mean Geoff Rowley? 
Geoff yeah, Rowley. Yeah, That's your right. buddy. And honestly, I think Jamie Thomas as well, because I was, I mean, the first video I got was Welcome to Hell. So I, just, I was just like, you know, you're a little kid. You see a video, guy's last part. Probably Jamie Thomas. And I'm going to say Mark Johnson, because Mark Johnson was kind of like my first favorite skater because of his style and it was just because of his clips in 911 emergencies which is kind of funny yeah it's funny though because that group like i can definitely see jamie uh chad and tom sort of fitting in one group and then mm-hmm. you throw mark johnson there and he's not like the big rail guy you know what right. i'm saying yeah yeah for ali to an extent too you know yeah but yeah. like tom and chad were like i mean they're like two peas in a pod you know yeah and just the Tom Penny watching him skate is the best. It's like watching butter melt or something. It's yeah, just it's amazing. Yeah, it's just un- like he's half asleep doing a frontside flip over something I couldn't even think of walking down. <laughs> yeah, no, it's amazing. The uh, yeah, just the naturalness of his style, um, you know. And also, I mean, I think the same thing about Brent Ashley, but he didn't come along till much later. Yeah, right. we're talking '96 was when I was posting these 96 that and and on when i was you know posting these photos yep but uh yeah you'd have to ask my mom she probably knows better than me my memory's probably a little foggy your but room she, is still set up exactly as you left it is that it yeah no <laughs> I, but uh yeah i remember i would definitely say muska was a big one though after fulfill the dream came out when muska mania was going on you know i took i took the uh, muska pill you know I was like, wow, this guy's the best. All the in. best. Good style, charismatic guy. Yeah. Tricks. I mean And I know. still I still love what he's doing. I, I love his Instagram. I love that he's <laughs> farming now. I can't get enough of it. I don't know what it is. Dude, he should do you think he's gonna open a beet farm? Like I'm so, call it Muska Beats. That's actually a really good idea. And I know. I think that we should reach out to him and, about that. And this is probably also something we should delete from the podcast so none of our fans steal it. Yeah, exactly. They're always stealing our ideas. But you know, I'm amazed that, you know, like a character like Muska or all these pros that had so much charisma, like even like Mike V, uh well, actually I don't know, is Mike V a millionaire? Well, anyway. That Rob Deerdick <laughs> is the what is the most is one of the most wealthy skaters. You know, I'm just surprised that Deerdick was the one who made it happen. I didn't even think he was on the radar as being like one of the top pros. You know, so I had a I don't know. So I'm just going to say I don't know anything about anyone's net worth. Okay, I'm going to start with that. But I do remember when the first Tony Hawk pro skater came out, there was someone, there was an AM on zero. And we were just talking and uh, he was like, oh, yeah. Um, so, you know, Tony Hawk's going to have me in a game. And he's like, yeah, that's when I decided instead of renting my two bedroom house in whatever the beach community is living. He's like, yeah, that's yeah. when I decided to buy it. Just for being a character in a video game. And, yeah. I, you know, like, I don't I don't know how do you price that out, but Tony's going to take care of everyone, obviously. And, you know, I mean, I think that's what's cool about skateboarding, you know? Yeah. Well, well I, I just looked up Rob Deerdick's net worth, and it's a, it's a estimated at a hundred million dollars. Based on what, though? He uh, celebritynetworth.com. 
Well, probably no, based I mean, off because of, he has like a bunch of shows on MTV or something. He's, or? he's got probably. he's got a bunch of businesses, and yeah, he had uh, contracts for MTV for millions of dollars because he because ridiculousness. I don't know how he did it, but he had them play it sixty percent of the time for the channel. That's insane. That I, is my, insane. My parents like ridiculousness. Like, I, you know this guy? You know Rob Deerdick? I'm like, yeah, I know him. We're good. So friends. I think there's this. Amazing... I'm just saying. I, I'm just saying. Should have been Muska. That's what mm. I was saying. That's, that's my point. That's what I was getting at. I so honestly, I think at the time, I think Chad was in L.A. and he was. I mean, you know, he was DJing and I, he was kind of like being a socialite. If that's Dating Paris Hilton, yeah. That's exact. yeah. I mean, you know, like, he had other priorities, you know? Uh, but I will say about this whole ridiculous thing, and I always think about this, because I remember um, when I lived in Austin, I remember coming back from tour, and it was the the day the issue of Rolling Stone with the Jackass guys was on the cover, and everyone at the party was like, oh, my God, these people are crazy. And I'm like, they're they're just acting like stupid skaters act you know like we've all been there and done that but like if you're not part of that community you don't know it but even though there's tons of like 411 videos where people touring in europe and getting crazy and bam and other folks as well but it was just so weird to see that sort of cultural phenomenon and the only thing i'll say to that is i'm surprised that um i think there were these two snowboarding videos they might have been called whiskey so someone fact check that it might've been whiskey one and whiskey two. And there were these two Canadian snowboarders. They like, they're driving a motorcycle in a supermarket. And one of the guys is dressed up as a clown and he backflips off a, off a movie marquee and shatters both of his ankles. Like they were the jackasses before there was jackass, but I guess it's all like timing, you know? Yeah. Right. Also they're Canadian. So no one in the U S is going to give them coverage. Right. That, that's, that's normal. That's normal. Uh, Canadian behavior. Yeah. And also with all this, uh, you know, practice for journalism that me and Tom are doing with this podcast, we're trying to bring back the printed magazine because, you know, there's been something lacking since Big Brother's been gone. There's no alternative media, really. Hmm. I mean, there's only Thrasher. They have a a monopoly over the entire thing, over the entire industry. Right. Well, but do you, uh, so here's an interesting question. And by the way, uh, happy birthday to Mike Burnett. It's his birthday today. And I know. This oh my God. Time. Happy birthday, Mike Burnett. I got to uh, text him. He's I a Pisces. He's a, I don't know what that means. I'm sure. But uh, <laughs> do you think that, do you think that Thrasher is not doing an adequate job covering skateboarding? I don't think smaller brands have enough money to get enough coverage in their magazine. I think so, that. Let me just interrupt you and ask you something. So the last issue I saw, I'm not even exaggerating, it was like 200 pages worth of photos and maybe 20 ads. So, you know, like back in the day, it yeah. was like 50-50. Like, right. you know, you have Transworld, Right. Transworld was like 70-30, 70% ads. Right. Yeah. yeah. Right. So when you say that you don't think these companies have enough money, well, like what's keeping, I don't understand what you mean. I'm just asking, you know. Well, I mean, the editorials that they're going to do in the magazines are uh, of companies that paid for sponsored ads. And whether the ad's in the magazine or not, it's going to be whether they pay for web space for that ad or something along those lines. Yeah. So if I, I don't think that if I reached out and said, hey, can you do an article? I mean, 
who's gonna who's gonna fund it first of all a company has to fund it or something they have to put the entire thing together hire a photographer hire um go on tour have something to have an article about um and then also probably yeah they're gonna they're gonna ask uh if you know you're running ads for the issue that the uh article would be in and i i don't know if i i mean i'm sure if you're homies with them they're gonna run the ad they're gonna run the article but it's i mean if you're just a brand that's trying to like break into the industry it's well now now we have you know the internet you don't need to have that you know obviously everyone has their own brand and they have all their followers but that's what i've noticed that from i mean running a brand that i didn't realize before the fact what which didn't what part didn't you notice I didn't know, I didn't know that um yeah that you kind of had to be in this sort of um it's kind of like one hand washing the other scenario. Yeah, it's kind know? of like a payola situation, you know? It's not you kind of assumed like oh they just are showing us cool stuff that's happening, not necessarily they're showing us cool stuff that's happening that these people are paying for them to show us. Right. So I will agree that when my naive self moved to California, I learned the same lesson. Like I just thought, oh, you're trans world, you're gonna print the best skateboarding no matter who's doing it. But it's really, it does come down to the fact that, you know, Thrasher back in the day would cover everyone on the think, you know, like Fausto Vitello mm-hmm. brand companies and then Rocco started Big Brother just so he could get his crews. Like it really way more than I ever would have thought. I thought it was a, a sort of a meritocracy where, you know, quality rises to the top. But it, I'm not going to say it doesn't, but you're correct in um, your assessment that if you run ads, they will certainly cover your riders, you know? Yeah. And that was just, I was, again, my naivete. I was surprised when I went there and learned that, you know, and no one yeah. says it directly, no, right? no. but it's a hundred percent clear, you know? Yeah. Uh, so, but the other, the other tangential question I'll ask you, and I think about this a lot, I think about actually the internet has and cell phones, cause everyone's got a camera and a video uh, camera, which might be more important has really done a lot to democratize skateboarding. Like think of all the guys in Brazil so just going on what you're saying, you would have to fly to America to get noticed by an editor of a magazine. Yeah. And you don't have to do that anymore. You know what I'm saying? And like, yeah. I yeah. think that's really healthy for skateboarding. Um, thoughts, comments, like, especially as we're talking about magazines and sort of how they're run and the politics behind it. No, ab- absolutely. Because I mean, like, obviously you want this way you can see, you know, what's going on everywhere else. Like pretty much instantly but also it gives chances for people that wouldn't get that kind of coverage or people that you wouldn't necessarily yeah i mean so to that point i just want to jump in for a second i'm not defending mike but i think thrasher has done a very good job including people in the non uh, cisgendered community and talking about like sort of raising awareness that skateboarding is for everyone which i think this might have been before I don't want to say you were born, but skateboarding wasn't always like that. And there are examples and I'm not going to name people, but you can look at board graphics and there are documented instances of violence against 
homosexuals mm-hmm. in the skateboarding community. And I mean, I think it's good that we've come as far as we have as a community to help foster this other, I mean, it, skateboarding always should be about accepting people, right? Cause we were different right. to begin with and we were bullied for that. So why wouldn't you right. take someone who's being bullied for another reason, but loves the same thing you do, you know? No, I do think that it's a lot different now. I, I think that if anything, what I'm like even referring to is, uh, you know, kind of what I have in my memory too of, uh, almost like when I was kind of starting the company, which was a really long time ago. Yeah. And I mean, you know, Thrasher, they have, I mean, they've always even showed us support by, you know, putting our videos on their, you know, YouTube and their website. Um, which, you know, when it first happened was, you know, a dream come true, you know, still is, you know, every time it's, it's it's an honor. Um, I'm just saying it's tough to be, it's tough to be a small guy as a cog in the wheel. It it like really is. It's like tough to like actually try to like get in there and make a dent. But I think what you have going for you now, right. And I was just speculating, right. Um, There's such a need for content because there are so many channels and what I'm going to say, I mean, holy shit, man. Honestly, some of the stuff you got, like when Rom was told me about your, uh, what I refer to as the switchblade skateboard, I was like, that can't be what he's completely describing, even though he described it perfectly. I was just like, who, what, like, it just didn't process. And then the way your guys skate, and I'm not a blanket statement, but you know, like, there's an element of creativity that skateboarding needs, right? It can't be all, I mean, dude, I remember I was in Europe one year and uh, I was on a tour. I won't say with who, not that it matters, but um, this guy comes up to me. We're probably in France or something. And he's like, he's like, Oh, I, you know, I want to like uh, shoot photos for trans world, but we don't have picnic benches to skate here. And I was like, Holy crap, man, this is the worst thing I ever could have heard. <laughs> like you're in Paris and there's all this amazing stuff to skate. But if you look at all the magazines it, at the time, it was pro skating picnic benches, you know, and I'm going to talk about like day one song, creating some mass, some, you yeah. know, Jenga masterpiece. I'm saying like someone just blunt sliding a bench at a right. school courtyard or whatever. Yeah, and to yeah. think that, to think that someone wouldn't take advantage of that because of what they saw in the magazines really is depress me but then i think about what you guys are doing and i think like it's he- it's so healthy to have that sort of i mean don't take this the wrong way i will say it's sort of a spark of zaniness like mm-hmm. i again i just can't even imagine how you think of this stuff because it's just my brain doesn't work that way but it's fascinating to see and it's fun to watch and there needs to be some of that in skating you know yeah like well, it can't all be you. olympics right right i know I know. Well, you know, back to the uh, the whole, um, I mean, comparison to art, you know, and the uh, art debate, you know, imagine if there's only one type of art, one genre in each, uh, you know, in all of music, there's only one genre, you know, it would just be. There's so only boring. one song. Yeah, right. <laughs> so, and yeah, the internet's a great equalizer and. I think it just showcases um, some of these, like, it's more of, 
I guess, uh, sort of punk mentality that, you know, you don't need to be the best to actually be able to do it, you know, and, and just do it different than anybody else has done it. And I, there's, there's part of it that is, it, it has to be zany because it has to, I don't know, you have to be like open to, you, you're kind of vulnerable trying to step out of the, uh, the box that everyone's thinking about of skateboarding. So it, you kind of have to be, uh, have a sort of, um, be immune Ish. sort of be, be oh. able to be immune to criticism almost. Cause of, you know, that like people are going to like, even if they don't say it, you know, that people are going to scoff at it. I mean, I know that people all like we were, we were probably like hated in Boston, especially when we started. Cause everyone's, you know, skating ledges and stuff like that before like we were more established and even i mean think about it in terms of when i was like growing up when we were in high school if if we were to see something like that everyone i remember getting like laughed at at the windowsill ledges because i did a casper flip because it was a circus trick you know <laughs> so it's just like we but i thought those that, that was the coolest thing to to see a trick that you hadn't seen before oh yeah but that's not how everyone views it, you know? Yeah, I, I understand what you're saying. I mean, uh, you take a risk when you're trying to do something different, right? Exactly. Did you, and also, I don't know, it seemed like there was a lot more, I don't know, I remember just feeling like there was this, like, I don't know if you got this sense, but uh, it was almost like, uh, kind of almost like, a. it was more like thrashing you know around boston it was like rivalry with the crews now everyone gets along now i feel like it's different what year was this um probably like 2000 around then yeah i mean that was right about when i was getting out of it but so i didn't really see that i mean i can you explain rivalry like real rivalry or I mean, I don't know, you know, I heard, I don't even know what's true, but I heard that the, uh, you know, like the Boston Coliseum shut down because they had like a brick thrown through its window and it was like, I don't know, I guess assumed or allegedly like another Boston crew that did it. Yeah. Yeah. I think I heard that, but I don't, I don't know. I mean, yeah, it's it was nothing i mean mean, i've been a part of a lot of stupidity and that's nothing like i would get involved in you know i mean right i mean just think about it like this think about it like this it's like uh when i was growing up um like for no reason whatsoever um that guy lurker lou was to me was like and he said it to my friend who's there i must have just said like one word like a little kid and like just like trying to like talk like to like the crew of skaters and he was like yo check your boy cletus because i had broken teeth and i had my front tooth missing i think i know you're talking about i would just (laughs) politely say i think he's an outlier in the community yeah um (laughs) who's i think now lives in la if i remember correctly but um i mean the rival there I remember going to Philly back when, like, before Love Park was, like, a th- the thing it is now. I don't want to say a thing. But, I mean, you'd have people, like, they'd 
jack you for your board. You know, like if you weren't in with the right people, like that sort of stuff would happen. But I don't think the Boston skate scene is big enough for that, you know, but I yeah. know exactly who you're talking about. And that behavior wouldn't surprise me. And it's unfortunate that you experienced that. But I think I got I must have got the wrong impression, honestly. No, 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 not from what you were just telling, not from that person. Right. I completely know who you're referring to. Um, but I think that it's just unfortunate you are in a situation where you are younger and impressionable and you encountered a bad actor. You know what I'm saying? Because I think skateboarding in Boston, you know, like I think back to the Maximus days and, you know, like, again, I suck at skateboarding. I'm the first person to, to admit it, right? Everyone's trying to like, I don't want to say cheer you on, but everyone's supportive and positive and like, yeah, you can do it. And, you know, like it sucks mm-hmm. that you encountered someone who was trying to make you feel shitty for wanting skateboard, you know? Right. Yeah. And then actually, but the, uh, the person I was skating with, I think had some snarky remarks to Pete Gardini. And I actually really liked what he said to him. And he was like, he's like, how old are you? And he's like, listen, He's like, I guarantee you're probably not even going to be skating when you're my age. And, uh, and it's true. Yeah. The kid, uh, didn't end up really, uh, skating that long. (laughs) I mean, I don't, I don't understand that. Pete is one of the nicest guys. Like, I don't know. No, no, no. I actually, I actually really, no, no. This kid was giving him shit. Oh, not your friend. Someone else. I mean, he was my friend, but he was giving, he was giving him shit. And, yeah. uh, he, he, that's what was his reply. And I actually really liked that reply and it was, it ended up being true. I don't know. I just remember that as like, I thought that that was like, I was like, ah, put him in his place. That guy's actually, <laughs> that guy actually seems pretty cool. Yeah. You know, it's funny. There, um, there are a couple, uh, like old dude skater crews and whatever, where people spend a lot of time debating on whether or not like you're still a skateboarder. And I think personally, like, I mean, I went out recently, meaning like there's snow on the ground. So not that recently. I'm not super hardcore. Um, But, you know, like I'll be the person to decide whether or not I'm a skateboarder. Right. Right. Like, even though it's there will be months or what, you know, whatever until the next time I go skate, you know, but no one can tell me whether or not I'm a skateboarder you know? Right. Yeah. So I think, but I think it's, I, I mean, we just don't need this, right. It's not healthy for the sport. It's not healthy for the community. It doesn't serve anyone. You know? I know. And also I'm talking about, this is such a different, this is over, this is 20 years ago. Oh yeah. So- and let me tell you just to be transparent. Like I was a different person 20 years ago and I would have responded differently 20 years ago. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I'm like? I wouldn't be this level headed. Yeah. Are you, are you at all still, entwined with the skate community besides the fact that i mean obviously you know you talk to they seem like you talk to a lot of still legends around boston you mentioned rom dougie death yeah i mean they're know. my they're people i consider my friends like but i'm not i mean when was the last time i shot a skate photo i can't even tell you you know like it's just i have a job that takes up a lot of my time um yeah you know it's funny we earlier we were talking about um skateboard is evolving right we're talking about musk and whatnot i did find that like 
riding a motorcycle, which I've seen a lot of skateboarders progress to. It's like a bigger, faster toy. You have to pay attention. You're going to die. Like to me, that's like the headspace. You know, people talk about the runner's high and stuff. I'm not doing that, you know, like, but for me to be skateboarding, to get to that point where I have to be focused, like it's not going to be at the JP park. Yeah. No offense. Right. You know, it's like three, four feet deep. I mean, Mm -hmm. I'm not going to get that hurt famous last words well i was um, gonna say our, our buddy snapped his arm in half but yeah <laughs> i mean i tore my achilles uh pushing across flat so that was that was years ago but um, how fast were you pushing dude like the flash <laughs> time was melting behind me um you opened up the flash point I did. There you go. Uh, yeah, but I just, you know, I've, I just have other interests. You know, I mean, it's not that skateboarding isn't important or part of my life. It's just no longer the most important part of my life. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, no, I was just curious. Yeah, no. I mean, but I have friends who are, I mean, I met Mike Burnett probably looking at the year 20 some odd years ago. You know, I mean, that's when that's when I was involved in skateboarding on a daily basis. But I just, I don't have the I just don't have the bandwidth for that. Although that said, skateboarding has evolved and become, I'm going to say more professional, right? Like you see, dude, I don't see any video where there aren't like 10 people filming a trick. You know what I'm saying? Uh Um, And there's, uh, people can earn a decent living, it seems nowadays, as opposed to, you know, skateboarding wasn't as popular when I was in it. So, you know. Yeah. Well, I'll say this when you were in it, you know, and I was looking at the, your, your old photos, um, the one photo that, you know, is, I guess you would say you, you probably would agree is probably your most famous photo, uh, the doubles down the MIT handrail. I, so it's funny, uh, because I would say that the stories behind this are just phenomenal from my point of view. I think that's, it's it's the most underrated photo I've ever shot is what I'm going to say. Hmm. Right. Um, first of all, because the photo that I sent you, which is the black and white photo trans world didn't run. There's, well, you know, quick side note, you know, where I saw that photo Monsterskate.com. When that I was site still up. exists. No, no, no. When I was growing up, that was oh, really? where I, that was where <laughs> I first saw that photo. Oh, okay. Fun, yeah. Fun I remember fact. Yeah. I was, so Paul Zitzer pulled me in on that team. Uh, Steve Hawk, Tony's brother was leading it. Uh, it was a lot of fun. Pete Thompson used to live in Boston, skate photographer, uh, from North Carolina originally. Um, we all had a hand in it. So, wow. Yeah. Last from the past there. Yeah. Last from the past. So, um, we went and shot that photo at least three times because it's winter in New England and we're trying to shoot a sequence and we're trying to get it on a color because we wanted to make it the best thing possible. And actually I should back up to tell you the story of how that photo even came to be, which uh, is funny because I think I was at ASR, uh, which is a trade show in Long Beach um, and was probably talking to Wig Warland and a new issue of trans world to come out. And I hadn't seen it yet, which thank God for that. And Wig, who's a photographer from England um, said, Oh, have you seen the new cover trans world? There's two guys on a handrail or he said something like there's two guys skating a handrail. And so in my mind, I thought, Oh my God, there's two guys skating a handrail but it was a split screen cover where there were two very tightly cropped uh, vertical photos next to each other of two guys skating a handrail each, like yeah. different handrails, different places, whatever. So then I got to thinking about it and I'm like, you know, I bet this is fucking possible. So I, uh, 
I was in California and I called up Mike and Charlie because I was living with them at the time at 486 Mass Ave. And, uh, and I was like, hey, guys, just we're going to go skate the MIT rail when I get back. I go, I can't tell you what we're going to do, but like figure out tricks that you can do like pretty readily, like Smith grind 50, 50, whatever. Like, and they were like, what's the story? And I'm like, I'm not going to tell you because I didn't want them to think about it and then convince themselves they couldn't do it. Yeah. And Mike and Charlie will back the story up a hundred percent because it's, it's just ridiculous. The way I think about photos is ridiculous or whatever. So uh, we get, I get back to, to Boston uh, we go out, we drive there. Once we get there, I'm like, okay, this is what we're going to do. And they're like, okay, let's try it. And so, you know, they got to figure out who's going to go first. And they're both like Mike's regular and Charlie's goofy or vice versa. I can't remember off the top of my head, but so they're approaching it from like, they're skating towards each other. And you just have to believe that the other guy is going to do his part when he is supposed to, and it's going to work out perfectly. So, uh, and it was the MIT rail. So, you know, at the time it was pretty common. You'd get kicked out pretty quickly. So we went there and I think the first day we didn't do it. And uh, they were like, yeah, they were psyched. They were like, yeah, this is totally doable. We're going to go back. So we went back a couple times, shot a bunch of black and white photos, uh, shot a color sequence. Uh, and then when I was looking at the sequences, like, you know, back then, uh, the F, the frames per second was like, I don't know, five or six frames per second. So you're, you're talking about a trick that's going to happen in a second and a half. So you're going to get like maybe seven or eight frames out of it. And if you had a faster motor drive, which they didn't make at the time, um, you would be able to, there'd be a clearer frame in the color sequence where Charlie and Mike are on the rail. The sequence that Transworld ran, it looks like Mike is just, about to land on the rail and charlie's at the end of the rail smith grinding and so in the next frame charlie's coming off the rail and mike's on it and whatever so i went back and uh i was like we have to go back and shoot an indisputable photo where they're both on the rail at the same time and they were like yeah "Yeah, absolutely and i you know as you saw from the other photos i sent you from my point of view the way to shoot it was that horizontal photo because the vertical photos just looked like garbage you know Plus we went back and on that day I set up my uh, video camera on a tripod and just had it running the whole time. So we got there, showed up, put the camera on, they warm up, we start shooting. And within six or eight makes, we had the photo that, that um, I sent you. And so we sent that entire package of photos to Transworld thinking that they would run like either the color still that had them both on the rail, which was pulled from a bale in addition to the color sequence or the black and white image with the color sequence around it. Right. Because I don't know, it seemed kind of like a big deal. No one had done it yet. And it, I I've thought about this since and I don't know, it's like, is skating is vert doubles like a big deal. Like it was a big deal when it happened. And so yeah, I don't know. Right. Plus four, it took 14 years for someone else to do this. Yeah. So, which kind of says something about something who are the who are the next two people to do it oh i've got it in my notes it's uh dave Bachinski and manny santiago it's in their salt and pepper video oh nice so boston, some, some some local uh boston boys yeah Lowell, some lol yeah, buddies. buddies yeah so we sent the photos first we sent the photos to trans world and i talked to grant and i was like hey are, are you gonna run this because i'm like this seems like kind of a cool thing now, I, and I've talked to Mike about, and Charlie about this since, 
And I wasn't like, it's going to be a cover, but it seemed like it had the potential to be a cover. Yeah. Just it's pretty ground, pretty groundbreaking. But for like, the time, yeah. I, well, and 14 years later. Yeah. Right. I mean, no one had ever done this, which seems like that's got to be up there somewhere. Right. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe. So. Um, so then I mentioned to Grant that we had uh, shot video of it and we we're going to send the the video into four and one because we we're like, this is absolutely going to be an opener. Mm-hmm. Like, dun, 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 you know, like, oh, we know the song. Yeah. So you can imagine cue the, cue the drum roll. Yep. <laughs> So you can imagine the, the, the slow-mo and it's going to look perfect and whatever. So Grant says, if you send the footage to 4-in-1, we're not going to run the photos. So I was like, okay, well, I need to talk to Charlie and Mike about this because it's not my singular decision to make. So we were all living together and we sat around the breakfast, dining room table, whatever you want to call it, you know, where we ate, where we ate in the kitchen. And we were like, what do we do? You know, like, because there was no way that 401 wouldn't run it as an opener. I mean, it just yeah. seems impossible to leave, but we hadn't sent them the footage, so we didn't have that for sure. But ultimately, we thought sending the photos to Transworld was going to be the right thing. They would do us right by highlighting the photo and the video with some amount of respect, and hopefully everyone can see my air quotes, uh, that we thought the photo merited, Right. Mm-hmm. So if you remember, uh, the photo, the, the video was used in a trans world video and I can't remember which one it was in a montage. It was run at full speed. And if you blinked, you're going to miss it. Yeah. So we certainly felt robbed there. And then when they ran the, um, the sequence as a two page opening, uh, sightings spread, I believe if I remember correctly, there was another sequence laying atop it at the top of the page. And then they didn't use the, the still where it was hundred percent clear that they were both on the handrail at the same time. So we felt like that was kind of unfortunate. Um, and you know, it's funny cause everything, you know, hindsight is 2020 vision, but you know, like Charlie and Mike were like, yeah, we should have just sent the footage to, to four and one, you know? Um, I, I'm for that, speculating for that sweet, here. sweet slow-mo. Yeah. Yeah. Well, but I'm speculating, but I think that if it had been, I mean, Mike Bell, I don't even know if he was riding for anyone at the time. Yeah. Like he might've been flowing at knees. He was sponsored as an AM for a while, whatever. And Charlie you know, Wilkins was on uh maple. Charlie was on Powell. I believe uh, he Powell. was at least am for Powell at the time. Um, and had other sponsors like road for etnies or sheep or whatever iteration was around at the time. So it's not like he wasn't, you know, it's not like he wasn't unknown, but you take two guys from the East coast that no one cares about, right. To your point about advertising dollars, mm-hmm. zero, you know? Yeah. I, I honestly, and I've never talked to Grant or Dave or anyone about it. Dave Swift wouldn't, wouldn't bring it up now uh we're not actually on good terms that's another story um Love and, to hear it. Uh, you know it's just it just seems odd i will say that uh i posted that photo to instagram and through a confluence of events uh jeff rowley did reach out to me and he said because i had heard a rumor that after i sent the photos to grant but without ed or jeff ed templeton or jeff rowley knowing mm-hmm. Grant had taken them to the uh, UC 
I think it's the Huntington Beach, that long square brown rail that used everyone used to skate. Oh yeah. And they were skating and they were like like Jeff said, like, oh, it just came organically. Like Ed and I were skating the spot. Grant didn't suggest anything. And we tried to get on the handrail at the same time. I mean, I'm not gonna not believe Jeff. Like, why would he lie to me? You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I believe if Grant had got a photo of Jeff and Ed skating doubles on a handrail, that would have been a cover photo. Yeah. Right. I mean, Ed skated for Toy Machine, Jeff skated for Flip, tons of sponsors, tons of money. And I'm not saying it's all, it's all motivated by money, but to the conversation we were having earlier, I find it hard to believe that that didn't have something to do with it. But I have no, it's just me speculating. I have no proof. Well, of that's what I'm saying. It must have been even tough for you being a, a just trying to make i don't know if you're doing the photography for your living but just yes. even being on the being on the east coast must have just been such a huge hurdle yeah there's a lot uh and this is pre even est uh yep. i mean what were the big i mean i guess the dan wolf videos were probably the most popular eastern exposure was oh yeah like the most popular east coast videos i mean yep there wasn't a lot of media that was coming out of the East coast at the time, probably I'm guessing. Well, no, you're right. But I think the other thing that's sort of, um, I don't say important to consider, but you know, there was sort of like a gentleman's agreement to an extent that if I lived in Boston, I wasn't going to go to New York and try to shoot the New York skaters or I wasn't going to Philly because there were, there were photographers in those towns that were also trying to scrape by a living shooting skateboarding, yeah. you know? So it was like, it was, um, I mean, I did go to Philly and I shot some photos of people there, you know, like whatever. Um, but it wasn't like I was going to shoot a Bam or a Kerry or mm-hmm. Ricky oil, you know, like, cause Ryan G's down there, you know? Yeah. So it's like, you, it's just a common courtesy. Um, yeah. Wasn't always a two way street. Uh, but you know were you shooting uh jamal and uh jerry fowler while they were on a toy machine yeah i'd shoot i'd shoot stuff with uh them and panama dan um you know he was also skating for toy machine at one point Mm -hmm. um i think there were there were times where i felt my time wasn't being respected like, so if I say, hey, we're going to meet and keep in mind, every listening audience, this is in an era where there weren't cell phones. Yeah. So if we agree the day before that we're going to meet in Copley Square at three o'clock in the afternoon and you don't show up by six, you have wasted my time. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to give you like maybe three strikes and I'm done working with you. And I'm not saying that Jamal or Jerry did that, but I'm just saying like you work with people who... Like, I mean, I'm literally trying to pay my rent and buy food, you know, like I can't have someone slack off and be like, oh, dude, I just couldn't make it, man. Some dumb reason that doesn't make any sense, you know, and I had that happen. I was like, that's cool. Classic skaters, though. I mean, it's funny. Uh, Yeah, I mean, so maybe I'm a wrong fit for the organization, you know, I mean, like, I'm just too like, I mean, I'm from New England, so I need to get shit done. That's just I think that's hardwired into our DNA. Yeah. That was workers. It was a very difficult, like culturally, it wasn't a good fit when I moved out to California 
because it's always sunny in the seventies and no one's in a hurry to get anything done. Yeah. You know, um, there's another great story about, uh, shooting and trying to make a living as a photographer and escape photographer in England or in Boston. I remember I shot an ad for someone and, uh, the guy that owns, I mean, this is years ago. So the companies were very small back then. And the guy's like, Hey, we love the ad. We're going to run it in like all the mags and whatever. And he's like, uh, he's like, we got your invoice. He's like, why don't you, why don't you, why don't I just send you some shoes instead? And I was like, Hey man, that'd be great. I'd be awesome if you sent me some shoes, but I have to pay my landlord rent and he doesn't yeah. take shoes for rent. Yeah. So I was like, you can send me all the shoes you want, but I also need you to pay me my invoice. I mean, and guess, guess how many pairs of shoes I got. How many? I'm going to guess zero. <laughs> good guess. Good guess. <laughs> I was going to say, you could have asked for like, 20 pairs of shoes and try to sell all of them that's the classic it's, skater move it is but i'm not i don't have time for that shit like yeah. i'm not going to be out on the street trying to hustle sneakers that's not my job i want nothing to do with it you know right right i mean like, it's just, tough it's tough when it's uh you know everything's kind of a spit in a handshake too you know dude there was a i remember i was on tour and uh i was like man it's so hard to make ends meet and i tallied up all the money people owed me like all the unpaid invoices and uh you know it was like three or five grand which even today i would say man if you were like oh here's three or five grand i'd be like sweet you know yeah back 20 years ago three or five grand was like a that was like a year's worth of rent on the high end you know um and it would be weird like people would always not everyone and I'm again, not going to name names, but like companies would be like, Oh, we really, we saw these photos and we really want to use them. And then you get, you send them to them and this is before digital files. So you're sending them your, the only version of that's like, this is the original slide. Like, and once I send it to you, how am I going to go get it back? Yeah. So they run it in the magazine and then you send them an invoice and they're like, fuck you. Like literally I had numerous companies be like, how are you going to get the money? Yeah. That's but wild. To get the photo, they're like, oh, yeah, of course we're going to, you know, they're not like, of course we're going to pay you because who would think that you're not going to get paid? Right. Did you report them to the Better Business Bureau? Uh, I, I mean, this will come as a surprise to no one given what happened with Transworld, but I threatened to take people to small claims court. Like, yeah. But then it's like, it's just not worth it because you're never going to be able to collect the money anyway. Right. The most ridiculous thing that I recall. So this one company used a photo of mine on a t-shirt and I, I sent them an invoice and the guy calls me up and he's like, we can't pay you. And I, literally it might've been 300 bucks. It might've been 250. I don't even remember. Not a lot of money if you own a business. Yeah. Right. The guy's like, yeah, we'll pay you $10 a month for two or three years. I was like, no, 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 no. <laughs> like, I'm yeah. just, who, who comes up with this stuff? You right. know, how could that guy's business even last that long? If, if that's his mentality. I mean, he just doesn't want to be like, I get it. You don't want to cut into your own, uh, convenience, right? Like, like you live, you make enough money to live comfortably, but to take two fifty out of that one month is going to like hurt you a little bit, even though, you know, you owe me the money. Yeah. Right. So they're just like, I don't want to be inconvenienced. Right. Um, I hear you. And you know what? I got to, um, take a really quick break. 
classic big big yeah. piss break. If you want to take a break, that's up to you, Tom. If not, you guys could talk about Andy McDonald. He's also from Boston. He's actually from Newton, but yes. Yeah, he is from Newton, big. You messed uh, up. He, he I heard, was, I heard uh, Andy God didn't have to uh, participate in gym class because... You beat he, me to it. Uh, oh, okay. All right, because he... Uh, this he would true. go skate. He would go skate some vert ramp or some. I don't the know vert ramp at ZT Maximus. Oh, word. Okay, yeah. I remember my my friend uh, my friend Nate uh, Nate Riley. Uh, I think went to went to school uh, with uh, Andy. Andy went to Newton North. Yep. Yeah. So. Yep. So he did. Yeah. He went. He would go skate. And it's funny. I mean, not to just. I'm not disrespecting anyone, but it's funny. Like you look at the uh, animal chin ramp, which is. I'm going to say you look at the height of it, not the complexity of it, Mm -hmm. but you look at the vert ramp at Maximus. Was it nine feet tall at the time? Like maybe there was an extension, you know, but like, I think the bowl at, uh, at Hyde park is probably eight feet deep, you know, like it's just funny when you think of like what a vert ramp was 20 years ago. Right. I I remember, uh, you know, we, Big Zone. I grew up on going to Coliseum Skate Shop. Uh, oh yeah, sure. One of the owners had a had a mini ramp in his backyard, you know. But at that point, like a backyard like mini ramps, like a kind of like just like a six foot vert ramp, you know. And it's not <laughs> the it, it's not like the same thing you would assume with like a like what like current like a backyard mini ramp. Now is going to be like three, maybe four feet with like pretty like you know maybe maybe a little steep transition, but pretty mellow. Not not going vert, you know. Yeah. There was, uh, I think I was at High Cascade, uh, which is near Mount Hood, which is on Mount Hood, um, or somewhere in that area. Someone had a, a mini ramp that literally was maybe two feet tall. Yeah. <laughs> like it was, but the transition was so quick because there's not, I mean, what, there's what no it? other choice. There's no, yeah. Other I mean, choice. it's not yeah. a bank, right? So right. It's, if you don't make was, the transition tight, then it's just going to, it's just flat essentially. Yeah. Yeah, and the flat was like way too long for being yeah. like a two foot tall mini ramp. But well, that's kind of what they put at like a lot of those prefab parks, like around like two thousand like three, four, whatever. When they're making all those like cement prefabs, a lot of them have those little micro ramps, which is like two so they foot would just transition them... with yeah. like you know probably like eight to ten feet of flat in the middle. So like you're going slow, then all of a sudden it's like. Yeah! You're like real quick, and then all of a sudden, like you have no speed, and like, yeah, 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 pretty fun, yeah, like the Malden one, the yeah, the Malden, one. yeah, exactly, exactly, yeah. So, what did I miss? Andy Mack uh, skipping gym class, skating to CT yeah. Max, mm-hmm. oh, true. yeah, 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 it's true, yep, the Maximus, right? Yep, I've also seen videos of Andy Mack playing with uh, devil sticks from like his high school TV class. Uh, courtesy of Nate Riley. He was so, really good at devil sticks. So what, yeah, haven't seen that, but yeah. <laughs> it's good. <laughs> so when you were shooting the photos of uh, Canton, was that I forget? Did he mention was that the that was the aftermath tour? Was that the was that the Osiris tour that was in Big Brother crap? Mm, I think that was the lead up to the storm, actually. Mm. Pre, because pre aftermath. Well, yeah, the pre math. <laughs> right there, you go. Um, yeah, so it's funny. The reason I asked about the Coliseum demo is because I had just come back from some trip, uh, in California and, uh, I think Dave Coyne or someone was like, Hey, we're, uh, you know, we're going to do this demo. 
or maybe I just come back from out of anyway. I just driven this way, you know, to the East Coast. Right. And uh, they went up to the call, same demo. And they're like, hey, hop in the van, come back to California with us. And I was like, hell yeah, why not? <laughs> Wait, you just moved on the spot from a Coliseum demo? Yeah. I was like, That's I wild. had my gear with me. Of course I yeah. had my gear with me. I'm a yeah, photographer. Yeah. What about your, your lease that you had signed? Well, this is why this is why I was living at 486 on the floor with a bunch of my friends because the you know someone else was dealing with that. Oh, okay, <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. Like it was like a crash pad. Like I literally there was a stretch of uh, at least six months where I never went home. You know, like I had a place in Alston, moved to California, broke. I didn't break my lease. I you know found a substitute roommate or whatever you call it. Left that place, and then I ended up moving back to Boston was sort of, uh, you know, was living at 46 and trying to figure out what I was going to do next. And then actually ended up moving back into the same house I lived in, uh, several years earlier when I was in Austin. So, yeah, but yeah, there's definitely, it's just, you know, you don't have shit, you know, I mean, there's, it's funny. There was, uh, speaking of Mike Burnett and being on tour and not having a place to live, I had uh, driven out, I think he was living in El Segundo at the time or something. And uh, I was about to go to Europe with Powell. And I was like, hey, man, can I just park my car in your driveway? Because I need somewhere to leave it. Yeah. And he's like, you can't leave it in my driveway. But like, unlike in New England, like you, you could just leave it on the side of the street in the neighborhood. Right. And they're not going to just randomly tow it because they don't do that in California. But I came back three months later and there were like 900 coat hangers stick, like every kid in the city had tried to get into this car. Mm. So what'd you have in there? Uh, gummy nothing. worms or something? <laughs> I mean, they were just like, there's a free car waiting to be stolen. You know, it hadn't moved in three months. You got to figure something's up. Yeah. They don't have street cleaning in, uh, California, huh? There's no leaves falling. There's, you know, yeah. There's no snow. Yeah, no snow emergencies. So you, you, you weren't necessarily thriving out there in California where the industry was? Um, thriving? It's an interesting question. Uh, I mean, I'll go back to, well, I mean, there are a bunch of funny cultural things, but I'll, you know, I'll go back to the thing where it's sort of like, um, I'm trying to get something done. Like I had done the math, right? If I could sell a full page photo or shoot one a day, I could calculate my income for the year. Right. Mm -hmm. But like, that's not how skating works. Like you're not producing widgets, right? Like it's, right. you got to get psyched to go to some thing and be psyched to do it and jump down a 20 stair. I mean, it's not 20 stairs, but you know, whatever the trick is, yeah. you got to be like, and that just doesn't happen every day. Mm -hmm. Um, and then it was interesting because Transworld wouldn't put me on a retainer, but they also said that if I shot for other magazines, we were done. And I was like, okay, well, you got to pick one because I can't earn a living shooting only for you. Yeah, like this just and... doesn't economically work for me, but it worked for them because they're trying to be the best magazine. So if I have a relationship with Jamie Thomas and, Transworld sitting on the photos. I can't just go give it to big brother or whatever, you know? Yeah. Um, so there were just weird little things like that. I will say that um, after living there for a couple of years, 
I mean, I'd certainly gotten in well with Powell and I'd certainly gotten in well with um, the guys of Osiris. I think that part of, like this was right before companies, like this was right before the light bulb moment in the industry where it was like, I'm not going to work for a magazine. I'm going to work for a company. They're going to pay my salary. I'm going to have access to all their writers. I'm going to shoot all the interviews of them. I'm going to shoot all their ads. And so there's like, when you switch the, the economics of it that way, it becomes a much more viable business model. And if you want to talk to someone from Boston who's done, you should speak with Ben Colin, who moved out to LA and worked for Girl. Yeah. Uh, I'm familiar with Ben Colin because uh, the professor at uh, the SMFA who sold me my first van, he's a big fan of Ben Colin. Somehow he has ties with the SMFA. I think he was a student there. But um, so I've seen his photography, but I've never actually spoken to him in person. But um, but yeah. I mean, becoming a, I mean, like a staff photographer for CorelTap, I'm sure is ideal having that sort of steady income. Yeah. I mean, so think about Powell, right? They've got a board company. They've got a bearing company. They've got a wheel company. Like if you were just to shoot all those riders, like let's just say you could shoot one of them a day and either a Powell ad or whatever, or just some other ad, right? It was just like the realization, the aha moment for me just happened too late, you know? Yeah. yeah. Like I was, the, the, the industry was set up a million years ago. You worked at a magazine and you sold your sort of extra photos to the ads, but, or to the companies, but the genius idea to make it economically viable was to go work for a company and sell your photos to the magazine, you know? Yeah. Well, I'm sure even the biggest photographers in skateboarding, I'm sure uh, think of the skateboarding aspect as a side hustle at this point. I mean, I don't really know. I, I just assume that like Atiba is actually doing photography as well for like GQ or some Vanity Fair or some other for the NBA yeah. a lot. too. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Some other huge companies. And but, you know, the passion is still in skateboarding because that's where it got its start, you know? Yeah. I mean, I think that um, I could be wrong. I think that, th- I think that there were just some discrepancies uh, or let me see. I want to make sure I say this correctly. I mean, Atiba was a, a staff photographer trans world since day one. Mm-hmm. and had access to, you know, all the biggest names because of his position, which is awesome. Um, there, he was just a different, uh, I mean, I'll just say it. I remember once he was like, my accountant told me I made too much money, so I had to buy a house. Like, I never had that problem. Yeah. So. He had to buy the house for what, a tax write-off? Yep. Wow. Yeah. Like, I was like, can I put gas in my tank or food in my mouth? Well, you know, that's what I'm saying. That's where I, you know, I, I, that's where I feel like we've always been at. And, uh, you know, we still are just so happy to be, you know, part of, uh, skateboarding because we love it, but it's, uh, it's a weird, it's a weird thing where, um, I don't know, uh, I mean, photography is completely different because that's like, you know, you're 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 documenting the actual skateboarding. I mean, I obviously film all the fancy lad videos, so there's that aspect that goes into it, um, where I try to make the videos as you know, as as good as I can and as unique as I can, and some sort of artistic vision. But 
Um, it's kind of weird trying to sway. I mean, there's a combination of the politics, right? But there's also a combination of uh, just the general, as far as as far as I'm saying for our content, the general just uh, collective consciousness of skateboarding, you know, and how many people are um, just out there to support you. So it's 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 tough uh, when when everybody has such a, a hard sort of they've already made their minds up about what skateboarding, what skateboarding should be. It's kind of tough, I feel like, for them to kind of branch out of that sort of mentality. But um, yeah, I don't know. I So it's interesting. I remember um, I'm nearly 99% certain I remember this correctly, but I think it when uh, Dimitri started shooting uh, before he became like, or maybe even when he was shooting for Big Brother, I remember like he, I believe he shot some like rollerblade stuff or whatever, but just cause you know, you're like, Hey, it's money, you know, yeah. but like skateboarding would be like, you can't do that. Right. And you're like, okay, I guess I can, you right. know, you, but like, you, you also... pay me not to do it then. <laughs> exactly. Right. Um, yeah. I mean, I think to your point, I think um, being a successful skate photographer is just like being a successful skateboarder. Right. I mean, there was just a, an amount of, living in a house with 10 people that I just hit a wall at, you know, I was like, I can't just keep doing this for the rest of my life. And. Oh my God. Tell you about it because I just today woke up and someone threw out the toilet brush. And if you saw the amount of shit that was in the toilet, Oh my God. I tell you, (laughs) it was ridiculous. Wait, did they throw out the toilet brush because of the amount of shit that was in the toilet? Um, I have no idea. Oh, I have no idea. I'm still trying to get to the bottom of it. Damn. But I'm just saying that's the sacrifices you make when you live in a skate house. It's it's it sucks, you know. No, I mean I don't I don't want to say that. I don't think that's true. I mean I had a great time at 46 and you know uh, couch surfing across the country and you know I just felt like for me to move on with my life, like everyone. Well, I don't want to say everyone, but like you know, lot like Burnett, Rhino, like a bunch of guys like I know from cutting their teeth photography back when I was doing it. They're like married, have kids. Like, yeah, I I couldn't see a path to ever making enough money where it would be feasible or responsible for my perspective to bring another human being into this world. Cause I'm like, I can barely feed myself. Yeah. I'm going to go have a kid. Right. You know, and that's like something I want out of my life. And so it's like, you make decisions, you know? No, I get it. Trust and me. I've not, it is, I, there's nothing wrong with skateboarding. It's just like the timing didn't work out. I mean, it's not funny, haha, but you know, like if I just stuck in with it, like suddenly skate, you know, the sine wave of skateboarding got popular again right after I left. Yeah. Maybe that was why. <laughs> yeah. They were just waiting for you to leave. Yeah. All right. What he's was, gone. Let's do it. Uh, is, it. is there any like one like uh, favorite tour that you've been on or anything? Oh, man. I mean, <laughs> There's so many stories, but I mean, the Powell trip to China was ridiculous because A, we were in China and B, no one spoke Chinese and no one in China spoke English. And it was just an epic, like, it was so awesome because it was so ridiculous. And uh, oh my God, the stories of me and Charlie, Mike and Stacey Lowry, just being on our own, trying to like 
get food that we felt comfortable eating and just it was it was comedy gold comedy gold um i mean that's there's so many oh my god okay i'll have to tell you this one story so uh the guy that was sort of our tour guide um picked us up at the airport and brought us to our hotel and he wrote some stuff down on a piece of paper and he gave it to the chef and he's like oh, i'll be here tomorrow to pick you guys up we're like all right great so we go down into the the dining room and it's like uh it's like any chinese restaurant style where there's just a massive seats everywhere and it also has those tanks with the fish and everything in it it's got the water purifiers and everything and they sat us right next to the tanks probably because that was a great place to sit you know right um and it was so the first thing we noticed is it's kind of disturbing because there are these you know frogs whose legs had been broken so they couldn't hop out and that was sort of just depressing to see but the there's like fish and turtles it's like an aquarium right we've been to a chinese restaurants exact same thing crabs everything one of the crazy things was they had these uh live little sharks that maybe were longer than your average banana you know i don't know like we'll just say eight inches or something right they were like not so large that, that a few of them couldn't uh, swim in an aquarium but they weren't like guppies at all, right? There were sharks and yeah. there was no, no guessing that they were sharks. So we're sitting there and um, we're just like, this is, you know, like just soaking the whole thing in. And, uh, you know, every now and then someone comes by and, and the, the crazy thing was the, to get anything out of the tanks, they had literally these guppy nets and they would just like pin a fish to the side of the tank, reach in, pull out the fish, put it in the basket or whatever it was and walk into the kitchen with it. And we're like, wow, this is, I've never seen that before. You know, like it just sort of is interesting. So we're talking amongst ourselves and being entertained about how crazy being in China is. And there are two guys come over to the tank and they're going to go try to get a shark. And they're at the shark tank. And um, so they're behind, so we have the front row seat and they're behind it, but it's, everything's transparent because it's water and you can see everything. Um, it's also probably worth mentioning at this point that the world's largest extension cord octopus is feeding all of these tanks. And that's sort of a spoiler alert to what's about to happen. Yeah. Yeah. But these guys, these two guys team up because those sharks don't have bones in them. They're all, they're all, uh, uh, what's it called? Not gelatin, uh, whatever they're cartilage. They're all cartilage. So this one guy, he's got the shark pinned against the side of the tank with this little fishnet. It's like a pipe cleaner. It's how strong it is. And the other guy grabs the shark by the tail, which is the way I would approach it too. And he pulls the shark out of the water. And the shark is just does a like complete scorpion, like folds itself in half and snaps at this guy's hand. And he does what any normal human being would do is he lets go and, you know, drops the shark. Shark falls back in the tank. A bunch of water gets displaced. Water lands on the uh, electrical extension octopus. There's a giant explosion, a ball of fire. The, all the electricity in the first floor goes off and everything <laughs> in the tanks, like all the tanks was electrocuted. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> and we're sitting there like- Even the poor, the poor crippled frogs? Oh yeah, yeah, oh, there's no. water in their tank. No. no, Yeah, and so we were sitting there like, the holy shit, frogs. what do we just see? And then we're like, are we going to still eat dinner here? Yeah. He's like, Any, anyone want some fried crabs? 
Yeah, it was electrified. It was un. I mean, it was just like you can't make this truth is stranger than fiction, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> other things about China. So um, was that like around like ninety six, ninety seven? Yeah. Yep. So and when we were in China, uh, this is pre Olympics. So this is why no one spoke English yet, because uh, I think the first Olympics were held in like ninety eight or two thousand or something in China. And um, the other thing that was crazy about China was so both Mike V and Stacy Lowry are I mean I'm not tall but they're tall white dudes and they have tattoos which is not a thing that happens a lot in China right mm -hmm. and so people I will never forget this like it was they're like throwing their board down skating to do a trick and someone just runs up to them grabs their arm spits in their hand and tries to rub off their tattoo and you're just like <laughs> what the fuck just happened? Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. And then the other thing that was funny. Um, so we were taking a train, I think from uh, Shanghai to Xinguandao, uh, which is where the Great Wall meets the Pacific Ocean. And this isn't like the subway. This is like a train you see in a movie from like the 40s, right? Like wooden bench seats, whatever. So we're sitting down and we're, you know, there's four of us. So we've got the two seats that face each other. And there's a kid well, kind of everyone on the train was staring at us, but there was a kid uh, who was literally like on the edge of the seat, like just staring right at Charlie. And as soon as Charlie turned around this camera, the kid like freaked out, you know, but like there's no, um, there's no, or back then there was no concept of like MySpace. Yeah. I don't mean the website, right. Free Friendster. I mean, like you didn't have, I don't want to say you didn't have privacy, but there was no like, it was just a free for all. Um, and then at one point, I think we we're in this uh, city called Shin and uh, we were skiing. There's a, I have a photo of Stacy and uh, there's sort of like a natural quarter pipe that's, you know, like this wide and it's just a wall, you know, and uh, we were shooting some photos and a crowd had gathered to watch the circus um, air quotes but it's illegal for crowds to gather in China. That's actually true. So the cops came, not because we were skateboarding, but to disperse the crowd. And it was insane because they're trying to talk. I mean, they weren't trying to talk to us. They were talking to us, but they were speaking to us in Chinese and we don't speak Chinese. So it was just like, I could pretend not to know what was going on for the first time in my life and kind of have a leg to stand on. And I'm just like, let's just shoot the photo, uh, you know? Yeah. But uh, it was just the no one was upset that you were skating anything. They were just concerned that a crowd had gathered. And it was really interesting. Like, obviously, we were the reason the crowd had gathered, which is they were like, you can't do this anymore. But they weren't like, oh, you're destroying this 2000 year old monastery you're skateboarding. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. so, yeah, China, I mean, they're. After the fish tank explosion, we went out to try to find food and that whole night just the most amazing story about not singing karaoke i don't i don't think i can actually tell that story it is <laughs> so hilarious just so the story is that you did not sing karaoke no but i will allude to what happened in the story because i was the only one of the four of us who was suspicious of how fantastic we were and i was like when was the last so i just asked the, the group 
I was like, when was the last time you were in a club in America and any woman ever acted like this to you? You know, like yeah. we had chicks bringing us drinks and keep in mind, we don't speak Chinese and they don't speak. It was just, it was yeah. insane. Like literally stranger in a strange land. You don't even yeah. Know and then, then they were like, Oh, the bill is whatever it was. And we're like, we haven't even eaten anything. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So, yeah. Did you uh, happen to be on, uh, you know, the first demo I ever went to was Powell with uh, Charlie Wilkins, Stacy Lowry, Mike V, and Gershon Mosley at Eight Ball Skate Park. Did you happen to be at that demo? I'm not. Uh, do you know what year that was? It sounds pretty familiar. That was that was '96. That's yeah, why I was gonna I, say that's, that's why probably... I was that's why I was clocking that year for that that roster. Yeah. Well, we were the the tour I was on. So that would have been the year before. But the tour I was on was where we had the portable mini ramp. I've never seen that. Paul is a guy who trucks the mini ramp around, and I don't think there's so. nothing to skate at the local skate shop. You can do a mini ramp demo. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I was that in any video. Was there any video that that was documented? I, I mean, it, it was an Apollo video for sure. Yeah, you know? yeah. But which one? I don't. Or like Scenic Drive or something like That's that. That's what I was thinking actually. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, I. I I mean, I'd like to ask you just, I guess, what your personal, you know, what you, what's your personal favorite spot or photo that you've taken? Uh, just, be, I was just looking at all the photos, and I just love. Uh, I mean, that spot with the um, the two banks and that the tunnel. I don't know what that spot's called, but I always thought that that was like such a dream spot, kind of growing up. And I have no idea where it was, and it obviously doesn't exist anymore. Two banks in the tunnel. You know yeah. what I'm talking about? It's got okay, like a tube. Was it, was it called Turtles? Is it Turtles? With like, it has like the three big like full pipes, and they like have. Oh like... yeah, yeah. That, I believe that is Turtles. Yeah, yeah, I. I mean, I'm looking at the photos over here. I'm like, which one is two in a tunnel? Uh, but yeah, yeah you're yeah you're talking about Turtles. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I'll tell you, the funny thing is when I first went to Turtles, I was like, what is there to skate here? And keep in mind, I'm a shitty skateboarder. Uh, but even I was like, there's some fancy lad grade A cracked cement ground and, you know, like oh, yeah, just rough as shit, giant frost heaves and vines from or not vines, but roots from the trees in the park. Like it was I was like, man, what is this spot? Because everyone's like, oh, there's a skate spot. And I went there and I was like, what the fuck is this? Like, there's nothing to skate here. But, you know, you bring someone like Charlie or someone who can skate. Uh, you know, he's uh, the, the photo I think you're referring to is the kickflip mini grab over the tubes. Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, at, uh, at Turtles. And then there was uh, actually the photo of Mike. That's actually my board. He's my filming board. He's skating. I don't even know why. We were just driving by one day and I was like, oh, let's just shoot that photo. Um and the next day they bulldoze it. So thank God got the last photo ever shot of turtles, you know? Yeah. Where was that? Just out of curiosity. Like what, what turtles? What, what, yeah. Oh. What part of Boston was that? Oh, so if you were for my own curiosity. Yeah. So if you were up in Alston, if you were, okay. So if you were on, it was on the Charles river. So, but to get there, if you would go through Alston and it's sort of near the Alston ice skating rink, like you'd be there and you'd cross the high star drive or not star soldiers field road. And then the other side would be 
I mean, now there's a, it's still a public park there, but it's been raised and there's like a spray deck for kids in the summer and stuff like that. But it's where the, it's, it's, it would have been where we, our stage spot is our slidey ground stage spot with the stadium seating, the outside one. Oh yeah. You know what I'm talking about? It's at, it's there. Weird. Not in that same spot, but at that same location, right past lower Alston. Yes. Yeah. Right. Yep. And, and I really like the all the photo of the ollie, the tall ollie over the pole. You know, I, I, I always love that in photos where you get that that low. I'm assuming it's like a low shutter speed with that sort of like ghostly looking like transparency for the skater. Yeah, that was Mike Graham uh, in Copley Square right in front of the uh, Trinity Church. Um, yeah, that was I mean, yep. Nighttime photo longish or longer exposure um you know to get the the lights burned in the background everything um yeah i think i mean was the original question what's my favorite place to like skate or favorite 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 spot favorite photo favorite favorite spot slash favorite photo that you've taken but i guess yeah yeah i guess that's it i don't know if you have one i mean i mean not a i mean honestly favorite spot i really I mean, I love skating the Cambridge pool. Like it's so rare to be a New Englander and have something like that to even yeah. like, tell me when you skated a backyard bowl, right. You know, like this is in California, right? Right. That's what I'm saying. So like it was shitty, it was enormous and it would kill you. And the kids in the neighborhood would throw rocks at you while you're skating. So in that sense, it was like thrashing. We made that reference earlier, but you know, it was like the perfect New England spot. It was hardcore and just to be clear i'm not hardcore anymore i'm not even sure i was back then but i was like i fucking loved it because it was it to me that thing encapsulated new england i remember skating there in november favorite spot say it again jake phelps favorite spot and understandably so like i skated there in november where your hands are freezing and you, we all know what it feels like to like slap your hands on concrete or brick when it's cold out. And, you know, like it's getting dark as shit and, you know, it's like five o'clock at night and you, you're in the projects and it's a total classic New England spot, you know? Yeah. Hell yeah. Um, favorite photo is difficult because it'd be like, like you were saying earlier, like what's, what if there was one type of band or whatever the, the thing was, you know, like yeah, yeah, yeah. you kind of go back and forth. I will say that, I mean, I was very proud. Uh, again, I'm not sure that's the right word happy maybe is the right word uh when charlie uh got the cover of Transworld, i mean or i got the cover with charlie's photo um because the funny thing was and of course there's a story behind that photo um what was the photo again what was the trick it's uh he's just doing uh i think he's doing a lean it's in like a sort of half full pipe um at a mall <laughs> so i just flown into the powell tour in like north carolina and we're at a skate shop where the demo is happening. And there's this, like, imagine a pill. And that's mm-hmm. the shape of the entrance to this mall with perfect transitions going over vert. I mean, it's Kinda literally like the, like, uh, the big O in uh, Montreal. There you go. Right. Yeah. Just very much, much larger. Right. Yeah. Perfect. And so, um, so there's a photo of it in the skate shop. And I'm like, hey, uh, can you tell me where this is? Because I'm definitely going to go skate this sometime tonight. And uh, the kid's like, yeah, here's the address or whatever. And um, so I had actually shot the photo horizontally thinking that it would make a perfect uh, content spread because you've got Charlie over here and there's this 
curve shape. And then just all of this is just empty dead space where you could lay out the contents. <clears throat> and so I was very, very surprised uh, when um, I found out that they used it for the cover. And I think, I don't know, it was either Michael Furukawa, who was working at Powell at the time, or Charlie. Like at that point, I'd gotten off the Powell tour and the magazine had just come out. And again, this is pre-cell phone. So people are like paging me and I'm like missing them on my call back. And it just would have been funny. But somehow I think Charlie had, had told me, but I can only imagine like how excited I would have been to walk into trans world and see like a full rack of my photo on the cover, you know, yeah. uh, without knowing. Um, but yeah, that was great because, you know, I love Charlie. He's a great guy. He's always, I mean, he's a brother to me, you know, like couldn't, couldn't happen to a nicer guy, you know? He's uh you know, he really uh, killed a lot of the rails that are still around here in JP too. Like, yeah. There's the one over by the school and there's that park that's right next to the school. Yeah, the, I mean, the Brookside rail and the Agassiz rail. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Yep. There's that one photo that um, I sent uh, the five kink, which was in Wayne, New Jersey. Mm. And there's a fabulous about story about that. Uh, another cool, crazy idea. So I was in Columbus, Ohio. And at the time, uh, there was a um, like a convention center in downtown Columbus. And it had this insane uh, handrail that Keith Huffenagel eventually skated and gave Morford shot a photo. And it was a DC ad after we had gone there and shot a photo. And it's like a eight or 10 stair rail. And then without exaggerating, there's like a 20 foot flat. And then there's a drop off to like a three stair rail. And it's a perfect square, enormously wide rail. And so I was like, man, I got to come back here with someone to skate this. So I come back to Boston. And again, Mike, this is just the way I work. I'm like, hey, Charlie, hey, Mike, you guys want to go skate this handrail out in Ohio? And they're like, what? And I'm like, yeah, and I explained it to them. And they're like, yeah, let's go check it out. So before going, I called the, uh, I called the Columbus Police Department and I was like, hey, um, I want to make sure that the Columbus Day Parade is on because I hear it goes by the convention center and make sure that like people are going to be there and the police will be there. And the guy's like, there's no parade. And I'm like, you're sure there's no parade at the convention center on Columbus, you know, because I was like making up some insane scenario for him to tell me we won't be there. Right. So we drive like, I don't know, here to Chicago, 16 hours behind the wheel. So let's just say it's 12 or 14 hours to get to uh, Columbus. We drive, we like wake up, drive out there Saturday, get a, like I take them by it. We get a hotel room, sleep, wake up the next day, like four tries, Mike does it. And we just get in the car and um, we're driving back to Wayne, New Jersey, which is where Vinnie Ponte had told us that uh, five kinker is. And so we're driving there and we just on the side of the, you know, like not on the side of the road, like it's waste, but we just like on the side of the highway, we see this office park with this beautiful, mellow, curved, flat, squarish rail. And I'm like, fuck it, dude, let's just go there. So we, uh, we pull over, um, shoot a sheep ad for Charlie, get back in the car, get to Wayne, New Jersey. Uh, we had a friend um, who used to live with us in 486, uh, Nancy Fischetti, lived there at the time. We stayed at her house, woke up the next day. It was Sunday. We drive to the high school. We shoot the photo. We get back in the car and we drive to Boston. Damn. Yeah. And it's pa- funny again. It in. 
Yeah, and it's funny because so I sent the photo of um, of the Columbus Rail to Transworld, thinking it's going to be a two page spread because it's the it's. I mean, honestly, it's such an enormous rail, and I don't yeah. think anyone ever skate. I mean, there's nothing I can think of that compares to it. You can't even fit it on one page. Well, that's why it would be. I mean, I shot horizontally, so it'd be a two page spread. Like you yeah. have to. Um, never ran it, and then. Um, so they used the photo of Charlie uh, on the five kinker. And again, I was like, hey, Don Brown wants the, uh, the footage for the sheep video. And Grant's like, well, if you send them the footage, we're not going to use the photo. So like, there's that again. Um, and then I mentioned the, the curved rail. And he's like, well, we want that photo too. And I'm like, well, are you going to run it? Because I need to like make my money back from this trip. Like, I just paid for gas to drive halfway across the country, a hotel room. You know, like the shit film, shooting film back then, got to get it right. developed. Like shit adds up, you know? Yeah. So it was, it was difficult. I mean, that was, there, those are the sorts of sort of adventures that I just like, I'll never forget that stuff. You know, I mean, when I think about the Charlie, the five kink photo and a couple of the other photos, I just think about. I don't know if you know who this photographer is, uh, Daniel Harold Sturt. Have you ever heard of him? Oh, yeah. Shot a portion of this film, Zero Skateboards. So he, uh, from my point of view, hands down, the best skateboard photographer, period. Like, mm-hmm. it's not even debatable. Uh, other people have different opinions, and that's fine. Yeah. Um, I think about, and I've heard the stories about the shoots he goes on, right? Like, Jeremy Ray alling the, the, the water tower gap or whatever those things are, you know, like, Legend. yeah, yeah you, we'll use here, but the stories to get the photos are like, and the photos were, you know, Jeff Rowley's like about to 50, 50 grind that ledge at um, Long Beach convention center, you know, like this mm-hmm. is the guy that takes like one photo and like he's done, you know, cause his photos are perfect. And so I remember um, shooting the, the uh, five kinker, and I was debating in my mind whether to wait until, you know, like at the end of a 50-50 grind, Charlie would just be like, he'd have just his back truck on. He'd be just about to come off the rail. Yeah. And I was like, I'll just shoot the frame before that because we're not going to do this 300 times. You know, like mm-hmm. how many times are you going to 50-50 grind a five kink rail, you know, right. like once. <laughs> um, but yeah, so it's just that guy's been inspiring. And I think about, not just the photo that makes a good photo, but the story behind the photo that makes a good photo. Like yeah. Canton's double set. I, I heard him talking about it. I remember, so I had to climb a tree to put a flash in to illuminate the Ollie and Jamie Thomas is on the ground. I'm like, Hey man, can you hand me the flash? And he's like, sure. And you know, I'd known Jamie for a bit at this point. And, you know, we're skateboarders. We're all fucking with each other. I'm like leaning down to get the flash and he's like doing the thing. We're like, if you were starting the car, so someone couldn't get in it. And I'm like, trying not to fall out of the tree, but get the flash. And, you know, it's just like, it's just fun, you know? <laughs> oh yeah. It's about the memories. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's, there's, I mean, yeah, it'd be hard to say a favorite photo because they're all, I mean, you know, yeah, it's, it's, I, uh, I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you, I was uh, amazed might be the right word, but at least surprised when we went to a skate shop in China 
and they had that um, the the opening spread of the Jesse Newhouse interview I shot in Chicago um, on the wall. You know, like it's just always a great feeling to see that someone else liked your photo. You know, I mean, yeah. of course I like it. I shot it. I mean, which yeah, isn't right. entirely true. They're not all great, but you know. I mean, it's just the recognition of knowing you're making an impact out there, you know? Mm, yeah. I'm not going to go that far. I don't, <laughs> I, I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, if I, if I, you know, went to a random skate shop and saw him watch my video, I'd kind of be like, Oh my God. You know, I would, I would kind of like trip out a little bit and be like, wow. Yeah. But I think the flip side to that is all the photos that you think are good either for technical or, creative reasons that never got run you know like to me that's sort of the flip side of the coin you know and i think that also goes back to being in the east coast before lots of these guys were sponsored and what are you gonna do you know yeah do you have a uh favorite filmer for just uh in general just like skate filmer just out of curiosity i don't know if it like uh branches over to that for you at all yeah i mean i'd have to say dan wolf's eastern exposure three was game changer you know and i think honestly he's i mean there's guys i worked with um uh chakas who uh ended up uh dying when he fell at a skate park in uh, san diego a few years ago the guys I met on the Osiris tour, this guy, Richie B that I don't think is involved in skateboarding anymore. Steve Salantani, you know, the guys that you meet that are your friends and everything like, yeah, I look up to them and they were great filmers. Mark Nichols is still filming, um, lives in Berlin now. Um, has been there for God, probably since the storm. So like 20 some odd years. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, all those guys are, are great or from my point of view, really influenced like what, good filming look like you know yeah yeah it's weird having to be uh i mean it's not that weird but it's it's weird uh just having to be a skater you know just because i feel like a lot of skaters don't really think of, of they don't really have that sort of technical brain i feel like a lot of the time about I mean, what obviously obviously everyone ends up being like uh uh just a, a homie filmer you know but like to really excel in the filming, like usually people film just because they're, they're there, you know, and somebody needs it filmed, but you know, to actually have that sort of passion to be, you know, really take it seriously. I feel like is kind of few and far between in skaters. I don't know. Yeah. I think what you're talking about maybe, and I'm not trying to put words in your mouth is they're the people who do that are people who also edit, right? Like, you could have me film your video, but like someone is the mastermind behind setting it to music, putting, you know, like when Jamie was putting together the zero video, it's like, it's his project. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Like, and he lays it all out and the music and the, the parts and the sequencing and everything, you know, mm-hmm. um, again, the guys who I just mentioned, Dan Wolf, et cetera, all did that. Like, I'm not really aware of too many people who were quote unquote, like just filming you know there were like people who had you know you're talking about like someone like mike tranaski who makes plan b videos you know like who has a vision and like knows how to put it together like a filmer could just be like you're saying like the guy with the iphone nowadays you know like oh you happen to be here and there's a dude jumping down 20 stairs and you're just happen to be in the right place at the right time yeah i need you to dad cam this real quick just because it needs to be documented 
you know. Yeah, but like we were saying earlier, I I mean, every Thrasher video, every video I see, period, there's like a crew at every spot, which is something that didn't normally happen. You know, you've got people with uh, generated powered lights. You've got a couple of filmers. You've got a couple of photographers. You've got like eight skateboarders. It's like it literally looks like there's a production company mm-hmm. on site now for any photo shoot, you know? Yeah. And I don't know how that happened. I think it's good for the sport because I think it is going to excel when people are skating random weird things you find in the world uh, as opposed to necessarily skating a park. There's nothing wrong with park skating, but I think the the sport's going to evolve more the more crazy real-world stuff you stumble across, you know? Yeah. Um, I will say that one of my favorite photos, because I love the city of Chicago and I didn't shoot it. So that's why I'm sort of setting this up is, um, and I can't remember the fellow's name who did, uh, but there's a photo of Josh Casper. Uh, you know, that uh, Picasso sculpture in uh, daily Richard Daly Plaza. Yeah. Yeah. The, the sort of bank to wall. Yeah. One? Bank to wall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So there's a photo that I actually have um, in my house and it's probably kind of rare that I'd like a photo so much that I'd buy it. Um, seeing as I have access to so many skate photos. Right. Uh, but yeah, it's a Josh doing a kickflip wall ride and there's like pigeons in the foreground and they're flying up and they're out of focus. And it's just such a, to me, it's such a classic skateboarding and Chicago like combination shot. Like it's perfect, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I love that. And then, uh, I mean, there's other Joel Peck out of France. There's also, you know, there's tons of great uh, photographers over in Europe as well. Um, and again, there's, uh less libelous judicial systems over there so uh or litigious i should say so you know i remember when we were in france and skating with uh stefan laurence and uh we we're at like the Par- paris version of city hall and i was go, like, oh, what if someone falls and gets hurt which is how we think in america like aren't you going to sue the city and he's like oh you might as well sue the rain from for falling from the sky yeah, I'm like, yeah, I think we try to do that in America too. Yeah. That's a, <laughs> that's know? a good, that's a good comeback for the security guards who are kicking you out, you know? Yeah. Always but it's, I mean, liability. they just have different approaches on it and I think it's healthier, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, we got to wrap this up, but I mean, is there anything that we're missing? Is there anything, is there anything you wanted to just speak your mind about, you know, before you, before you left the podcast? I don't know what uh, you were expecting when you came on. I hope, hopefully we covered everything. Yeah. I mean, we could talk about what led me to leave skateboarding, but it's probably best to just leave that water under the bridge. You know, mm. the big fallout with trans world is maybe a whole nother episode. And it'd be funny to hear Grant's side of the story, but um, yeah, I, I did say I wanted to hear that Grant story, but, but you do. I did I mean, say I'll tell I didn't want to hear that Grant story. Yeah, I mean, back yeah, I'll when tell you mentioned it. Yeah. Yeah, so, okay, again, I'm certain he has a different take on what happened. But the way things ended, I'd be hard-pressed to find out where my version of the story is not wholly factual. Okay? Yeah. So I went on a tour with the Invisible Team in uh, the Southwest U.S. Laban. Yep. Laban, Max Dufour, John the Man Reeves, uh, Nanda Zip, a uh, bunch of really cool people. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think Tobias Walker might have been on the tour as well. Um, and so we're at a mini ramp and I shoot a photo of John Reeves. So uh, it's probably like 97-ish, so I'm traveling, going on one tour to another. And uh, 
just somehow someone says to me, like, hey, I think uh, Transworld used a photo of yours uh, as a cover of a CD that they put out with Warp Magazine or, yeah, maybe Warp Magazine and, and PepsiCo, meaning Mountain Dew. So I'm like either going to Europe or come back from Europe or something. And I just call Grant and leave a message on his voicemail because he's not, he's not at work. So um, never hear back from him. And years go by. And uh, the skater I know calls me out of the blue. And he's like, he's like, hey, I was just down at a demo in a state that I won't mention. Because uh, it'll pretty much pinpoint who this person is. Uh, and he's like, and... Um, they were giving away these CDs with your photo on it. And I was like, can you mail that to me? And he's like, sure. So I have this photo, or I have the CD that Transworld produced in conjunction with PepsiCo and uh, Interscope Records, if I remember correctly. Mm. And uh, it was to promote the Warp Tour or something, I don't remember. And uh, I'm not only do I have outtakes of the photo, like, you know, you go to a session and you shoot like five of the same trick and you use one and then you get four of the exact same trick uh, sort of sitting in your bag. But they had actually credited me for the photo, right? It's this photo G Kula or just as Kula, who knows? So I'm like, all right. So I call Grant and I'm like, hey, uh, Grant, remember a couple of years ago, like I called you and asked you about this thing and I never heard back from you. And I said, now I'm looking at the, I'm looking at the, the CD in my hand. And he says something like, yeah, send me a, send an invoice for 300 bucks and I'll pay you. And I was like, dude, I'm not sending you an invoice for 300 bucks. Are you insane? Like, I'm like, give me five grand and we'll call it an even deal. And he goes, five grand. What are you crazy? No one's ever been paid five grand for a photo. And so I said, well, if you didn't get paid five grand by the United States Postal Service for the photo you sold them of Andy Mac, you're a moron. Or maybe I called him an idiot. I don't know. I made some derogatory comment. So clearly we're already not on good terms. So at that point, he goes something like, you'll never win, or he said something like, you'll never get the money, and he hangs up on me or something like that. So uh, I reach out to a fellow who at the time was shooting skateboarding and snowboarding. His name's Gary Land. He's now a f- way more famous than I am photographer, and he, sh- he still shoots uh, snowboarding, and he shoots like NBA and all this stuff. He just had a book come out about Iverson. Um, and... Uh, and I, I said, hey, or somehow we were talking, he said he knew a, a copyright attorney. Because when I was in college studying journalism, I learned about copyright law. And by law, I have the right to all the profit made when someone steals my photo. That's the law. Mm-hmm. It's not my decision. That's the way the law is written. It's yeah. to, to keep people from acting without getting you paid. So I called this guy up. Then I talked to him and we agreed on the price that I would settle on. And he eventually found out what uh, Transworld made by producing the CD in conjunction with uh, Interscope and PepsiCo. And by the way, it was more than five grand. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, Grant Britton calls me up and he's like, I'm like, hello. He's like, the first words out of his mouth are, do you know how much money your lawyer is asking for? And I go, Grant, that's not my problem. And I hung up on him. (laughs) And then it came to the point where they realized they could fly their attorneys to Boston to lose this case, or they could just pay me the money. Now, at that point, clearly my relationship with Transworld was over. Right. Right. And again, I'm sure Grant has some different version of the story 
where I try to fuck him over or whatever. But this is exactly how it happened. Because if they had paid me prior, I wouldn't have been able to sue them. They'd have had an invoice. Like there's just no logic where I'm telling you something that's not accurate. That said, clearly they weren't happy with the way things turned out. And so uh, they were, um, they started telling other skateboarders. So at that point I called it Rikosik and I was like, hey man, my time at uh, Trans World's over. Like, can I shoot for you guys? And he's like, yeah, of course. So I'd made this trip to go to Miami with Markovich and a bunch of other people. And the day before I'm about to get on a plane, Mark Nichols, the filmer, who's still in America at this point, mm-hmm. calls me up and he's like, he's like, hey, man, Markovich doesn't want you to go on this trip. He's like, in fact, he might not even go. And I'm like, what, what's going on? And he's like, oh, he was just out filming with uh, Atiba and Chris Ortiz. And Atiba told him that no one in the industry would buy your photos because you sued Transworld. And I was like, okay, well, let's think about that. I can understand why they'd say that, but how does it benefit anyone else to not buy my photos? Right. And I was like, plus, Rick Kosick already greenlit this idea. So just have Markovich call Rick Kosick and he's going to be like, yeah, we want to run the story. Yeah. <laughs> so at this point, I'm looking at my future of dealing with this sort of headache every single fucking day the rest of my life. Or I can just be like, had a good run with skateboarding, you know, whatever. And so that was part of what yeah, made me decide to leave, you know? Yeah, it was almost like a blacklisting scenario because of this warp Tour uh, fiasco. Well, I mean, it was, but the thing that's weird is, I mean, I just don't have, right? So to me, it seems counterintuitive that Big Brother, who you would think is Transworld's uh, competition, would yeah, not yeah. buy my photos because I sued Transworld. Right. But I don't have the bandwidth to explain that to every skater I meet who talks to Atiba Jefferson. You know what I'm saying? Right. So I was just like, dude, I don't want to deal with this. And so, you know, put like maybe another year or so in it. And then was like, I'm done shooting skating, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, That said, I will say that I think like most people, I really felt like I owed skateboarding something, right? Like, I mean, I don't know about your background, but I'm, it seemed like in the eighties skateboarding was an outlet to save a lot of people's lives. And I don't think I'm being melodramatic about that. Like a lot of kids said again, I said, I don't think so either. Yeah. I mean, a lot of people came from broken homes and whatever, and just skateboarding was their outlet. And it was difficult for me to, to let go of skateboarding, you know, because I, wasn't ever sure I would be able to repay my debt to skateboarding, you know? Yeah. No, I get it. I, I mean, clearly like, like I, like I was telling you early, like we're earlier, we're just so happy to be, you know, part of the game. It like, doesn't matter if, you know, we end up making any money or not. It's just, uh, I don't know. I, yeah, I can't imagine, uh, for myself right now, just like, trying to just step away from it. It has to be a tough decision, honestly. Yeah. And it's, I mean, to me, it was someone else is trying to force your hand. And, you know, I, earlier we were talking about like, so sure, I might not be involved in the skate industry anymore, but like no one can ever tell me that I'm not a skateboarder. Like that's yeah, my decision, right. you know? Right. Um, and it's interesting because I did talk to Mike V about this concept 
of like owing skateboarding something. And he's like, he's like, I get it. He's like, you don't know skateboarding anything, you know? And like growing up in the eighties, watching Paul videos, like, and I've never told Mike this. So if he sees this, he might get embarrassed, but like, that's like the Pope absolving you of your sins, you know, like, mm-hmm. like I was just like, if this guy says it's, uh, I'm, I've done my part, then like I've done my part, you know, yeah, like, yeah. I just feel like skateboarding is, is each individual's right to enjoy and do whatever they want with it. And it's unfortunate that the industry uh, can make it difficult for people. And that's, again, going back to, um, from my perspective, Thrasher trying to, like, make or at least promote acceptance of atypical skateboarders, I find um, encouraging, you know? Yeah. No, I, uh, hey, I um, completely agree with you. And, uh, yeah, I think, I think skateboarding's at a, a, a good place, you know? And I don't know. I wish, uh, you know, somebody feels inspired just by, uh, the words, you know, that you just said and, uh, decides to, oh, just, uh, think about how much they, Oh, you're in it because you love it, obviously. And uh, I don't even know where I'm really going with it, but uh, I don't know. I feel inspired. Hell, you know, and I've been in it for 10 years, you know. I feel like I've, I feel like we I, we took this in a direction. We got to end on a high note. I don't know, man. <laughs> yeah. No, no. I, 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 that was interesting. That was a hell of an interesting story, you know. Um, hell of a cheese dip. Hell of a cheese dip, you know. Um, no, I think you ended on a high note, you know, your passion and love for skateboarding is obviously there, you know, no matter what, no matter whether you're, you know, um, in it or not, you know, ever since just the influence that it's had on you and your entire life, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's like Charlie, uh, when the, uh, Vans triple crown vert contest was happening on uh, Boston city hall plaza. It's like, when you're a kid growing up skateboarding, watching Bones Brigade videos, you never think Steve Cab is going to be at a party at your house. Right, right. Right. And like, I remember talking to Charlie that night and he's like, dude, I can't believe, like, you would just never think this, you know? And I'm so grateful for all the people I met through skateboarding and all the experiences I've had. I mean, I got to, I got paid to travel the world and goof off with my friends and who could ask for anything more than that, you know? Right, right. Well, there you go. That is the dream. There you have it. There's the there's the note to end it on right there. That's a good. That's a good. That's a good note to end it on. That is true. Yeah. Well. Cool. Jeff, well, thanks, guys. Really appreciate it. You know, it was great getting to know you. Yeah. Thank you so much, Jeff, for coming. I'm glad we had a chance to uh, to finally actually talk here. Oh, my pleasure. Anytime. If you guys need anything, just let me know. It's uh, you know, it's rare that we have someone of such intellect. I know Honestly, I was going to so say well spoken. I know I was going to say if we need someone if we need someone for a logical point of view on something we might hit you up in exactly. the future cuz you're very you're, yeah you're very uh, astute. Yeah. I think it's the math background, too much logic. Hey, yeah. you know what? I'm a math scientist myself, so Bigzo here. Bigzo here he's a word scientist. That's true. So nice. Yeah. So uh so we're 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 right there with you. Yeah. 
And hopefully one day, uh, you know, since we live so close to each other, we get to meet in the flesh. Yeah, we'll definitely uh, hit up the park and then go to Sammy for some brews. There you go. Uh, not necessarily in that order. Yeah. Mm, yeah, I agree. No, we'll I probably should do it in that order. That's true. <laughs> That's true. We don't want to go to the park with a bunch of uh, empty free Sam Adams uh, shot glasses, you know, rattling around in our hoodie pouches. I'm just thinking I'm going to be sore from skating, so maybe a beer, on, you know. Yeah, that sounds good. Oh, right, yeah. Let's make it a plan. All right, Spring we'll do time. it, definitely. Spring thanks time, a lot, guys. 2022. All right, thanks a lot, Jeff. All right, have a good night, Jeff. <laughs> Take care, you too. Bye. Right, thanks peace. again. Oh, God, that was a great episode. That was a great episode, you know? Jeff was a great guest. You know, just one of those guests you dream about, you know, and we went we went into this episode pretty ignorant, you know, we had, Canton brought him up a bunch of times. We didn't know who he was talking about. Yeah, I didn't know that he was talking about a fucking legend, right? Just a little bit before our time. I know that's the tough thing about skateboarding. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, what what is it like? What What is it? What is it passing in the night? Two ships. Ah, ships. Yeah, two shits passing in the night. Yeah. It's also like, you know, it's also like some old fogey parents who are a couple of yuppies, you know, who who really like a certain type of music that was hip at the time, but then they have kids and then they never listen to music again. You've been talking about parents? Except the opposite. Oh, right. Because it's before. Yeah. Right. Damn. So it's like a time travel situation. A little bit. It's a time travel situation where you take two shits Mm -hmm. and you pass them in the night. Mm -hmm. In the night. Is that code for your butthole? No. I'm saying you take a shit. Okay. I take a shit. Yep. We grab it with our hands Uh naturally. Yep. And we throw them across the room. Mm -hmm. Lights off. Yeah. Nighttime. (laughs) Nighttime (laughs) mode. Nighttime, lights off, and we just listen to them. Just just pass by each other. Don't listen to them hit the floor. Mm-hmm. You're not going to want to hear that. My, my shits have little built-in whistles on the side, like a like a Nerf football. So when you throw them, they whistle. They go. Really? Yeah. Here, check it out. This I got to see. Oh, my God. He's... Got one here with the now. And... Oh, oh, no, God, <laughs> dude, that went in my mouth. I know, but then you you swallowed it. You didn't have. You could have spit it out. I wasn't even thinking. <laughs> I mean, your eyes kind of crossed, and then you licked your lips. <laughs> and then dabbed your that dabbed your cheeks. With it a seemed off. like a natural reaction. Okay. Yeah, but yet you dabbed your lips with a little napkin after, and said, mm, "That's a tasty treat." Okay, we were all there, okay? We all saw it happen. We don't need to recount every last detail. That's true. I just think it's interesting, you know? Oh, really? What's so interesting about it? I mean, I threw a shit across the room. It whistled. You caught it in your mouth. And then instead of spit it out, you swallowed it. And then dabbed your lips and crossed your eyes and licked your lips and said, "Mm, that's a tasty treat. So I think that whole thing is interesting. Yeah, I think it it actually, even the fact that it started whistling in the first place is pretty interesting. Well, that's why I eat all those plastic whistles all the time. I was going to ask you why you've been doing that. Well, you know, it's like, well, beside plastic being a key ingredient, an important part of the balanced uh, food pyramid. Yeah. 
I, I like when my shit whistles. That that whistle go woo woo. This motherfucker. <laughs> Grade A shit whistler. <laughs> Listen, don't blame me. I can't. No, you can't. I couldn't possibly. No, I wouldn't hold up in a court of law. No. 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 You kidding me? No. Not with the best lawyers that Transworld has. Listen, mm-hmm. you know, we got to respect Jeff Kula mm-hmm. for his contribution to skateboarding. Absolutely. And just know that sometimes life isn't fair. Most times, probably. And it doesn't work. It uh, doesn't always work out the way that you want it to. Most times it doesn't work out the way you want it to. Yeah. From personal experience. Especially being from Boston. Oh, God, it's the worst. You are right there. You got to strike against you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're from Boston. Yeah, strike one. From Boston. Fuck you. Fuck you. Back the line. Yep. Donkeys. 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 You know, it's just a damn shame that the best thing that we got going for us is that we enjoy a really shitty cha- breakfast chain called Dunkin' Donuts. And that's what we have to be proud about. That's our, yeah, that is our shining accomplishment, you know. But yeah. America does run on it. Oh, oh my God. I mean, come on. I run on it every day. I get the runs from it every time I have it, at least. Really? Oh, yeah. Oh. You get coffee from Dunkies? <whistles> Shit and water, bro. Mm. I wouldn't expect it. It's like, uh, it's really not that strong coffee. Oh, no, it's just it's just water. Yeah. Yeah. So the fact that water is making you shit is is kind of my point. It might be the tapeworm. Well, and I think it's the tapeworm shit, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, that's unfortunate to hear, and mm-hmm. probably should get that checked out yeah. by a medical professional. Yeah, I'm good. Or just let the tapeworm run his course. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I was thinking. Got a few tapeworms, got a bot fly. Yeah, I mean, it's there for a reason. Oh, yeah. You know, take what you need, little buddy. Yeah. Well, this has been one hell of an episode. It's really shed a lot of light, you know, on times past and, you know, skateboarding as a whole. Oh, yeah. You know skateboarding is a whole, right? Yeah, a whole lot of bullshit. That's what I'm saying, dude. That's what I'm fucking saying. Oh, hell yeah. And I was also going to say, yeah, a whole that I want to. Oh, okay. I mean, maybe save that for the Dirty Zone. Oh, that's true. Which is available to all our sweaty and deranged fans. Mm-hmm. Whether you be the sweaty tier, the deranged tier, or the sweaty and deranged tier. But it's available on the patreon.com slash podcast. Absolutely. And hey, please let us know if you're actually listening to it, because I can't tell. Oh, my God. We need these fans to reach out with more fan mail. More fan mail, please. What do we got to do? Start taking live calls? We probably don't need to start that. Well, but that, I mean, I just want them to reach out is my point. And they they could do that via the Patreon. They could do that at Fancy Lab Podcast on Instagram. Or they can email us at fancylabpodcast at gmail.com. That's right. That is right. But uh, before we go, Big Zone, 
Yeah. I, I was just wondering. Yeah. Is there anything that, I don't know, that maybe you wanted to say? You know, now that you mention it, there is one thing mm-hmm. that's really been itching me. Mm-hmm. And I got to get it off my chest. Mm-hmm. Keep on rocking in the free world. Oh, shit. I knew it was coming. Uh, yeah.